Boom. Hello and welcome to the Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast, Season 3. With your host, Byron Rogers. This podcast is dedicated to the executive protection practitioner, the private security professional. In this podcast, we're going to talk about the mental, emotional, psychological, physiological fitness that goes into being an efficient and effective executive protection agent. Whether you're in law enforcement, whether you're a mom that's looking at how to protect her children or a father that's focused on how to protect his family, I believe this podcast has something for all of you. We might even get into some tales from the crypts of true Hollywood stories from time to time. I'm doing this podcast because I feel the reality of this job is simple. If you really want to be good at executive protection, it's more than just a job. It really is a lifestyle. And those of you who've been in the game for any serious amount of time, you already know what I'm saying is true. So if that sounds interesting to you, enjoy the show. Out. Boom, what's going on you guys? Here we are again for another awesome episode of the Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast. I've got an amazing and honored guest, Max Siegel of Ana Group, uh, here with me today. How are you doing, sir? Uh, hi, Byron, doing great. And thank you so much for having me on. It's a real honor to be on the podcast and to be speaking with you always. Uh, I'm looking forward to the chat. Thank you. Thank you. It always blows me away when I hear that, man. You know, I'm just a young dude trying to <laughs> trying to make a contribution. Um, um, and it's it's an honor. I think the body of work, really being able to work with you guys is really what's been valuable for the industry, you know. Um, so thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, looking forward to digging in. You've got such an amazing background, uh, decades of experience. Even really just speaking with you the first time we spoke, I, I learned a whole lot in that first call, man. I appreciate Thank you. And, and, right, and right back at you, right? We, we grow all the time. It doesn't matter, you know, uh, who you're speaking to. If you listen carefully, there's something to learn, right? Yes, sir. That's wisdom. That is wisdom, man. I appreciate that. So i like to dig in with this first question. Who are you at your core? I guess this is the part where I'm meant to go. I'm a protector, a defender, a samurai, bushido, a warrior, right? Right. <laughs> and I might be some of those things, but I, at my core, I think I, I, I'm a giver. I'm a carer. Um, and I'd like to think that I'm a real person. Uh, I think everything else that I am is an extrapolation of that. Uh, in my core, whether it's in our industry, whether it's as a friend or as a father, uh, I care for people. I care about people. Um, I like to please. I like to give. I like to share. And I guess at my core, that's who I am. And I think that's part of what led me down the path uh, in terms of the industry and my career. That's outstanding. Um, I think it's a very, it's a little counterintuitive uh, for folks that haven't really discovered maybe how rewarding being a giver really is, you know? Um, I think it's a lesson you learn with experience and after taking some risks, really, you know, with giving to people. It's, it's ridiculously rewarding. Something else I think you said that was really powerful was, you know, you like to think you're a real person, you know? And uh, yeah, that doesn't come uh, these days anymore. You know, that doesn't just, come without uh, strength and practice and, and vulnerability and genuineness. These are hard things nowadays to really implement, I think. 
I think you're absolutely right, Byron. I think that in our world today, with social media, with the kind of exposure that everybody has, people are putting up more and more fences and walls and masks. You know, I got to look cool, and I got to be cool, and I got to look serious, and I got to be serious. And people are a little bit afraid of themselves. Um, and I guess it comes down at the end of the day to to self confidence. Um, never arrogance, right? There's a real fine line between arrogance and confidence, and you never want to cross that. But you, you want to be confident, confident in who you are and in your abilities and what you can do and what you can't do. Um, and then it's it's exhausting to keep up all these pretenses, right? So just be who you are and be honest. Uh, and the people who get it will appreciate that, in my humble opinion, clients and industry partners alike. Yeah, that's powerful. Clients and industry partners alike, you know, it's... Uh... It's really big. Don't try to be anything you're not. You know, people ask me, like, how do you generate so much content? Sometimes I'm like, it's because I'm just I'm really honestly just being my myself, you know, being my kind of goofy, like kind of, you know, if I if, if something looks cool, it's because I, I maybe got lucky that time and I'm just kind of doing my thing, you know. <laughs> you know? Right. But, but that's, you know, environment. there's no other way to be. Yeah. And you, whenever you're, you're real and you're honest, some people will like it and some right. people won't. And right. that's okay, right? We don't we can't please everybody all of the time, mm-hmm. um, but but at least you're honest with yourself. Yes, um, and and that that's where it begins for me. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because then you can look in the mirror no matter what anyone says, and you're like, well, <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's yeah, that's who it is. And yeah. you're also consistent, right? Because you're not juggling plates. And anytime people meet you or see you, they're going to get the same the same person. The same product, the same service, because you're not dressing it up. Mm. Yeah, no, I love that. That's good stuff, y'all. Let's take some notes. Take some notes, you know, because <laughs> there is always that pressure to to perform for the team or perform for the for the clients. But it, it's building. You're building a house on sand. It's it's a glass house that way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Uh, so you've got an extensive background you've got extensive exposure various media outlets you know bbc new york times uh usa today but you know you know what would you say about your tactical background and kind of just more about you that would help people understand who they're listening to today so i guess i'm not sure that i was ever anything else um right so kind of an aha moment, a moment of clarity. But when I was a kid in school, I was tiny and had buck teeth. Um, <laughs> used, to, used to get beaten a lot. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I couldn't stand bullies. I, I had this overdeveloped sense of justice from a very young age. If I saw an injustice uh, to another person or to another kid, or I felt my teacher treated me unjustly, I was up on my feet, had something to say about it. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of just built in. And then I grew up in South Africa, in Cape Town, South Africa. Um, I was a martial artist most of my life. Went to the South African army. After South African army, I I moved to Israel, which was a lifelong dream. Served in the Israeli military. Um, After that, into Israeli government for some years, and then transitioned into into civilian. So that's kind of who I am. And it seemed kind of like the most natural thing in the world. And when people ask, you know, why do you do what you do? It's like, well, because I can't do anything else. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's who I am, yeah. Right. I, I'm no good at anything else. But but for me, it was a very, very natural kind of progression, a natural fit. 
it wasn't really a decision. It just was, I feel like. Yeah. So it's, I've, I've found this, I, I'm convinced there's like a protection DNA, man, because I, I've yeah. spoken to a lot of protectors and they're like, this is just yeah. who I am. This career field yeah. made the most sense. It aligned with what I want to be in the world and what I organically am in the world, you know? Absolutely. When we talk about lifestyle and all these words, right, that we mm-hmm. associate protection lifestyle, um, but but it is. Any of us who are in this industry a long time, it is, like you said, in the DNA. It's just something we are and we do. And I don't think that can be learned. And I think you can feel the difference when you work with people, True. whether it's something that they're doing as a function or something that really comes from the core. It kind yeah. of separates people in the industry, I think. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's big. And nowadays, you know, kind of what are you up to with your company and things like that? Well, I was with, uh, with one of the leading EP companies in the world for many years. When that company uh, was acquired and integrated and ceased to be in its uh, former uh, construction, right. I decided it was time to step out and do something different. Um, I wasn't really enthusiastic about doing EP within a massive corporation uh, that brings some advantages and some challenges. I didn't feel that was an environment where I wanted to be, uh, where I could be the best version of myself in terms of career and development. Um, And a lot of people spoke to me and I decided, you know what, I've been in the industry a long time. I'd like to do my own thing. And uh, I put together a a tremendously talented uh, executive team, if I may say so, of of just incredible people. And um, we just went, all right, let's do it. Uh, And we opened on a group um, in January. Um, And it's a trip. Uh, It's going extremely quickly. Um, It's really like a snowball. We're having a great time. Uh, It's kind of fun after a lot of years in the industry to be able to shape your own company and take all those lessons that you've learned over the decades, uh, both the how yes to do things and maybe, hey, we could do things a little bit differently uh, and kind of bring all your collective experience together and build something uh, maybe a little bit different. So um, we're having a great time and it's really exciting. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm glad to see like kind of the evolution of that. Glad to see, you know, know, there's just so much to be said for keeping the guys you've been to war with together and then going out, you know, and doing something together. That's awesome. And I mean, you're totally international. You guys operate internationally and I've heard you're the man when it comes to, you know, South Africa and Asia. Would you talk a little bit about kind of your international experience? Like, because people hear my background, they're like, 10 years, EP, you know, 70-some countries. And they're like, wow, you know, and I'm like, guys, guys, guys. I mean, I got lucky at 21. It was, you know, like drinking out of a fire hose to do this, to even get in this industry. But like, I'm like a drop in the bucket. Like, these guys have ran thousands of missions all over the world, you know. Yeah. So uh, it's interesting. I, I watch a lot of threads uh, on a lot of our groups. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the one which amuses me, and, and forgive, I, I really, I don't mean to sound irreverent, but right. when I see people going, uh, unarmed EP is just basically like, you know, a doorman on Fifth Avenue. I'm like, all right, well, that means that you've never really worked out of your comfort zone, have you? 
Because yeah. Because 90%, 90% of the world, you can't work armed. Yeah, or you I haven't think. worked internationally, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you can't. It's not an option. You know, somebody once said to me, have your guys got international firearms licenses? I'm like, a what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yes, it's right. It's right next to the, you know, uh, 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 you know, the unicorn stakes and uh, what? Um, yeah. So it, international operations uh, is a whole different kettle of fish because firstly, you're out of your comfort zone. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I had two clients um, from Texas, um, from the industry, uh, chief security officer and his deputy uh, in Berlin. And they said to me, yeah, it's so dang God hard. We can't get anyone to cooperate with us and the police don't want to. And I'm like, well, because you're behaving like two Texans in Berlin. Yeah, Why like would cowboys in you, Berlin. Right? <laughs> right? Nothing wrong with being a cowboy in Texas, but being a cowboy in Berlin isn't going to get you all that far. Right. So working internationally, it's massively just about cultural integrity and understanding where you are. And you know, when you're in Africa, Right, you need to understand that they say TIA, this is Africa, right? As Africans like to say, you have a watch, but we have time, right? Uh, it's so true. I hate it, but it's so true. Right? Oh, man. It, right, Africa, time is not time. It takes on a whole different meaning. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if you go in there with expectations like, all right, buddy, I've got seven minutes for you. What do you need? It's like, that's not going to work. That's not going to happen. So understanding uh, cultural differences and understanding how to be polite, how to ask, how to get people to do what you want, right? How to interact with all these airports and all these vendors and all these hotels and these FBOs. Um, and how do you set up logistics across the world? How to make sure your client has the right kind of, I was operating in a country and the PA said to me, client likes to drink Fiji water. That's what he wants in the vehicle. I went, okay, but there's no Fiji water in this country. They do not import it here. And she went, yes. And I went, well, can we have Evian? And she went, well, if you drank Evian, I wouldn't have written Fiji, would I? <laughs> I was like, oh, we'll sort it. And we actually had to bring in a few cases of Fiji from a neighboring country, sent the driver to the border to pick him up, put him in the vehicle, put him in his hotel room, right? Um, and these are the kind of things that you run into um, when, when you're working internationally. It's not about the ninja stuff. Uh, it's about understanding how to navigate cultures, how to navigate people, how to fix things, how to facilitate things. When sometimes, you know, your helicopter needs to land and there's no landing pad and there's no windsock and there's nothing, right? Mm -hmm. And you're going to climb up a tree and take off your vest and tie it to a pole and you're going to be the windsock for the Wind pilot because, and that actually one of my guys did back yes. in the day in, in, in India. Yeah, yeah. Because that's, that's what you've got to do. Mm -hmm. So working internationally is, 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 it's not James Bond stuff, um, but it is a whole lot different than being in your backyard in your comfort zone. Yes. It's so true. It's so true. I've had to do the water. I've had to do the water, smuggling water in. <laughs> right. I had to make a buzz yeah. saw with my flashlight. <laughs> yeah. uh, exactly. You know, it's a 550 cord. Like it's 100% true, man. And the things you yeah. take for granted here may just not exist over there and uh yeah not not to talk about you don't have first responders in many of the countries you're in some third world countries you can't rely on on, on the medical you can't rely on the law enforcement mm -hmm. you can't rely on anything so you're driving down the road and in, in, in you know in the countryside outside lagos and there's burning tires and two guys with ak standing in the middle of the road right off you go there's mm -hmm. no manual for that 
right? right. You, you can send a distress call to your GSOC back in wherever, it ain't going to help you. And the client is going, is that normal? Right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. And, and you have to deal. You have to deal. And suddenly you discover you have no cell reception signal. on any of your, yep, no signal on your primary and the secondary, nothing works, right? Uh, maybe a fat phone will work if you're lucky. You have no ways, you have no idea, you're completely reliant on the driver who doesn't speak English and fix it, right? Make it work. Make the client feel secure, make sure the job gets done. It's very, very different. Absolutely, yeah. And those that cultural friction and information's gotta go before you. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. What advice would you have to folks that are getting into this uh, industry right now? Yeah, interesting question, right? And that also comes up on our forums all the time. All the time. So a couple of things. Uh, and again, don't mean to upset anybody. No, you don't need a law enforcement or a military background to get into EP. Right. Okay? Some of the best EP agents in the world that I've ever worked with do not have that background. I don't think it's a disadvantage like some people say, mm-hmm. right? Because obviously being in law enforcement, military gives you certain skills, certain critical thinking, you've been subjected to certain levels of stress, yes. et cetera. But it doesn't automatically qualify you for the job. Um, for example, sometimes when we're teaching courses in, in COVID close protection, ex-law enforcement or ex-military have a hard time being covert because they can't turn off that way of walking, that way of, yeah, like, that kind yeah. of 360 head on the swivel, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> exactly, right? Um, and they can't turn that off. And it's actually a disadvantage. So that's the first thing. If you want to do it, find a reputable school, do a course, educate yourself. Two other pieces of advice I think are critical. One is don't try and cherry pick, right? I've heard a lot of guys when I'm teaching go, um, oh, I don't want RST, I don't want residential, I want to do EP. I'm like, look, you don't come out of jewelry school and get a job at Tiffany's the next morning. It doesn't work that way. Right. You get an opportunity on a good residential de- detail with a good client, grab it, get in, meet people, build up your reputation, right? Make yourself valuable. Maybe the EP team, maybe they're a man short and they'll go, hey, Mac, why didn't you come join us? Could you help us out today? And that will be your way in. Yes. Um, but my, my, my friend and colleague, Ivor Terrett, said years ago to me, if they haven't heard of you, they're not going to ask for you, right? If nobody knows your name, you're not going to get work. So if you have an opportunity and it's for a reputable, decent company, get out there and take it. And it doesn't matter if the pay is this or the pay is that, or they paid for your gas or they didn't. Just take the job, get out there, get a reputation, be the guy that everybody wants to work with, right? And to do that, you don't have to be a super ninja, you need to be a decent human being. You need to be honest, you need to have integrity, you need to be appreciative, you need to treat people with respect. And if you do that, very quickly, everyone will go, hey, yeah, yeah, I, I want to work with that guy. He's such a pleasure. doesn't matter. You'll learn. I can teach you everything, right? But I can't teach you to be a decent human being. Yes. Right? And if you're an arrogant or whatnot, then that's going to serve against you, right? It's not going to further your, 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 your path. Um, so, so people need to think about that. I've told many people, Brian, think about what you post on social media. Oh, yeah. And people write stuff. I'm like, do you understand your sabotage in your career? Right. You can write there that you think that the CEO of this tech company is a you know, conspiracy, world-dominating megalomaniac, 
But you do understand I can't use you after that on the detail to protect high-tech CEOs right. since you published that you think that they're evil people. That's not intelligent, right? Airing your dirty laundry on Facebook is not intelligent. You've got a gripe, take it up privately, take it up with lawyers. Don't, don't splash it out there because that kind of thing damages you, damages your reputation, damages your integrity, right? Just be an upstanding guy and think before you post. This advice is just so, it's so good, man. And it, I hope that people don't discount it because of the simplicity of it, you know? It's so important. It's all simple. It's all yeah. simple, Byron. It's people like, ah, oh, I, I went to, you know, this school or that school and I learned with this and I've got that qualification. I'm like, yeah, okay, right? You'll learn more in the first 10 minutes of your first detail than you did back on your course. It's so, right? so true. Oh, it's so right? true. It's oh, so it, true. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, Chuck Randolph, I remember way back in the day when we were yeah. both still working operationally and we'd sit at a brief and Chuck would go, okay, so what, you know, I'm like, all right, so what's the plan for tomorrow morning? And he used to go, well, my hallucination is we'll be departing, right? Because That's so good. That's so EP, <laughs> yeah. right? It's like, it's never going to go that yeah. oh, right? It's never going to go that way. As, as uh, General Eisenhower said, right? I, I found planning plans to be quite useless, but planning to be indispensable. This right? is awesome. Wow. We need to plan in understanding that in the field, you know, like Mike Tyson says, you know, until you get punched in the face, right? Your mm -hmm. plan is going to go out the window. Um, but you learn a lot on the job. You really yeah. do. And I guess that's the last piece of advice I'd say is, you know, punch uh, above your weight class, right? I recently had a colleague who was with me in my former company and he had an opportunity uh, to take a, a CISO position, you know, and he spoke, he's like, yeah, I'm not sure that, you know, it's a bit, a bit big for me right now. I'm like, take it, challenge yourself, go for it, right? You got a lot of friends, we'll help you. Whatever you need, you need advice, you need this. You'll get help, right? But what do you mean you're gonna wait till you're ready? How do you know that you're ready, right? If someone yeah. gives you an opportunity, just, just take it with both hands. Be honest, say, hey, look, you know, I think I can do it. There's going to be a bit of a challenge. But if the person says, no, we believe in you. We think you can do it. Then why are you questioning yourself? Right. Get out there. And if you need help, there's so many people, Byron. There are people like you. There are they're, they're, uh, people, people like myself. There's people like Aaron Molden. There are people like Chuck Randolph, like Chris Story, uh, Ivor Terrett. There are so many people out there who mentor people, who right. are happy to help. You need help? Reach out, drop us a, a private message. Say, hey, can I chat to you about this? Anytime, right? Mm -hmm. So, so, so use, use the people in the industry. You know, we're happy to support anyone. You know, put, put you on the right path. Yeah, no, that's, that's 100%. That's outstanding. Um, we can teach anyone tactics, but character is something that's completely different. Okay. This whole take every job, take step, walk through all the doors in the beginning, widen that Absolutely. sphere of relationships, you know, and, and more importantly than being cool or tactical, be a good person. This is, this is, it's really the art of, of relationships, man, and procuring and managing good positive relationships where you're authentic and you're yourself, you know, and even in my course, like, a lot of the counseling I give my students when or my patrons, you know, when is, is take the job, jump off the ledge, get in there, 
be good and 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 be the guy that everyone wants to work with this is this is how you build those books and that reputation that gets things inbound to you there's Um, no there's nothing more valuable than that there's nothing more valuable that barn like you know you go to the ipsb right yeah and you're at you're at a cocktail mixer and you know you can't drink because each time you turn around someone wants to speak to you right yeah someone (laughs) wants to chat right and that's a good feeling Beautiful. Right. And, 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 and the more you're out there, the more you're seeing, right. Cause how many people call us and go, Hey, have you ever heard of this guy? Right. This guy sent me a CV. Right? Do you know him? And if I can go, yeah, I know him. That's mm-hmm. what we call credibility through association. Right. Yes. And, and that's a positive thing. So, you know, connect, 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 networking, Craig McKim says it's just, and be the guy that everybody wants to hang out with. Yeah. Right. Um, I can't stress that enough. Don't be the arrogant, you know, so and so knows better than everybody. Uh, I this and I that and I the other and when I did this and when I was with this detail and that detail. It's like really, ooh, we're so impressed down yeah. here. Right? <laughs> right. Well, you can go be by yourself and be cool. We'll just be over here. <laughs> you know, we'll just be normal. Be here, right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's um right. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a uh, it's the way it is. No, it is, man. I think it just takes time, especially for new newer folks getting in to really realize kind of it's you're not a starship trooper. You know, this work is attention to detail, but it's not really that hard. You know, it's not that magical. You know, it's not even really magical at all, actually. It's way less magical than you think from the outside looking in, you know. Um it's absolutely it's not rocket science. It's funny as uh, somebody, a friend of mine says. And people say, you know, you share all the stuff and you write all the stuff and aren't you scared people are going to take your methodologies and blah, blah. I'm like, firstly, exactly. It's not a proprietary algorithm that we have over here. Yeah. Secondly, you know, you you can download Gordon Ramsay's Beef Wellington and make it at home. It's not going to taste like Gordon Ramsay's Beef Wellington. This is true. It's about, it's not what we do because we all do the same thing. Mm. It's about you. Clients work with Byron because it's you. Because they feel safe, right? Relationships, right? The whatever you call it, the trusted advisor and all these other lovely terms that we have. Mm -hmm. But it really is. Everybody does a good job. Otherwise, you wouldn't be in business. Right. So uh, it's it's absolutely down to who you are. This is so good. Yeah, this is outstanding. Pulling back the the shrouds of hopefully, you know, some of the things we run into when we run into other professionals. I I dig it. What advice would you have for guys that are in middle management, you know, that came up, they're working out there, mm. you know, on the detail, and then now they find themselves in a leadership position, <laughs> you know? The first thing I'd say is manage, which most of them don't. Right. Um, again, uh, it's nothing else from me. As you know, Byron, you'll, you'll get honesty. Way too much of the success of our industry is based on the absence of failure, right? Think about that for a second. Yeah, Too much of the success is based on the absence of failure. So yeah. okay. everybody does fine because they're never tested, right? And as long as nothing goes wrong, we're all successful, right? <laughs> this is never been a, You're illuminating right? like too deep. <laughs> it's like too bright, you know, half the professionals are like, shut up, man. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love it, man. That's good. That's I'm so sorry, good. Ollie. But yeah. 
but it's true. Yeah. So, and I'm not talking about, hey, if a guy came running at your, your principal with a knife, would you take him out? I'm talking yeah. about, hey, if the roast caught fire in the client's house, right? If the client fell overboard on his yacht, mm-hmm. right? If there was an earthquake, if there was a fire, if the client suddenly collapsed, the medical, um, Someone has a, a heart car attack. accident, wh- yeah. whatever it is, are you really prepared? Would you really know what to do? Could yeah. you really deliver? And I think too much of it, as I said, nothing's ever happened, right? Are, are, are your procedures really robust, your SOPs, your emergency procedures? Are, are they really at a resolution where you can apply them and, and actually do the necessary response in the field? Um, so, I, I, and I think that when it comes to middle management, uh, there is a massive gap in the industry. So much of middle management is what? You're an agent, you're a detail lead, now you're the project manager for this, you know, this, this embedded program or whatever. Right. And I'm going, okay, and, and hold on a second. So you did this in this course uh, to be uh, an agent, awesome. These are your qualifications, you're an EMT and driving and ninja stuff, that's great. Mm-hmm. And then you became a team lead. And did you do any education to become a team lead? Maybe, probably not. And now you're a project manager. And your education in management is what exactly? Yeah, you have a business degree. You, you, what, what qualifies you to go from leading a team of agents to managing right. a team? It is a whole different skill set. And again, forgive me for saying so, but there is a huge swath of management in our industry who have absolutely no real skill in how to manage, right? And if that's in how to manage people, right? Not just from the, well, how do you set up shifts and how do you manage hours and how do you manage expenses and how do you manage driver schedules and all this good stuff? How do you manage human beings? How do you get the best out of your team? How do you manage conflicts within your team, right? How do you manage when one of your your team pitch up in the morning Right, and he's you know in a miserable mood because he had a huge fight with his girlfriend last night. Right, how do you identify the strengths and weaknesses of each of your team members, and how do you pull their strengths, right? And how do you align your expectations with their capabilities? That's management, right? And who's teaching that exactly, right? Right. <laughs> so, so. so I said, for me, what's difficult, like when, when I was in my company, some of you are CEO of a company, right? And I studied business, you know, a hundred years ago. And you suddenly realize, hold on, I'm not the boots on the ground guy anymore. I'm right. responsible for all these people and all these processes, right? right? And that's a whole different skill set. Yeah. Um, so I think that there's a gap um, in the market or in our industry that there are a lot of managers who aren't really managers at all. The same way some guys open businesses and get into trouble because they're not really businessmen. Yes. So, so they're like, oh, I got an EP detail, I got one big client. Oh, I'll open a company, right? Mm-hmm. How hard can that possibly be? Yeah. Oh well, it's actually a well, little harder than it appears. Right? <laughs> you might even succeed and then realize your company owns you. You know? <laughs> yeah, hey. Oh yeah, things. That's a dragon you're gonna be riding there. Right. You know? You know, build it. Right? Hey. Exactly. So again, <laughs> if you build a trend, yeah. And I don't mean to be to, to be harsh, and I'm not saying that I'm any more qualified or more clever than anyone else. 
Um, but I think a lot of the management in our industry really isn't mm -hmm. management. Yeah. No, I think these things need to be said, man. I had a conversation. There's a conversation I was a part of a uh, few, like it was, it was recently. And, you know, the guy was basically like, why I need more ability to discipline guys. And I need more ability to, uh, you know, hold people's feet to the fire and different things like that. And, you know, we all come from the Marine Corps background. So we're like, right. you know, you know, there's two types of leaders, man. You remember the staff NCOs that were like, Good. needed to do paperwork and needed to discipline guys, you know, and then you remember those other ones that you really respected organically, you know, because uh, the type of leader they were and you didn't want to disappoint them because the type of leader they were and it was like this, you've got one that's got an internal uh, ability to influence and empower and pull the best out of people. This is good organic leadership. And the other one needed uh, external tools given to them by whatever structure they were a part of to be able to poke and prod people to do the right to do things. And that, there's a science to that. You, you are so on the money, Barn. so on the money. Uh, another, actually one of my favorite quotes from, from General Eisenhower, he said that yeah. leadership is getting other people to do what you want because they want to do it. Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly right. That's so and, and you get much further with a carrot than a stick. Yes. Right? Um, one of the toughest things that I've discovered is you know, when I have a situation you know, with, with a team member, you know, where I really want to just grab the guy by the short and curly and go, hey, look, buddy, right? <laughs> That's not okay. Yeah. But then kind of I'm old and ugly enough to take a breath and go, okay, wait, wait, wait. That's going to be destructive, right? That's not actually going to help. Then he's going to be in a bad mood and he's going to be hurt and blah, blah, blah. His performance is going to go down. That doesn't serve me. Right. So you stop and you think, okay, we need to take some corrective action here. Right? But how can I do it in a constructive way? How can I help guide him to figure it out by himself that he goes, oh, actually, maybe I could have handled that differently. Mm -hmm. Oh, you think so? Right. Yeah, that's really interesting that you say that. So you kind of got to be, um, uh, you need some emotional maturity, I guess, to really manage, especially in our industry where people's egos tend to get in their way yeah. quite regularly because a bunch of alpha males and then there's a bunch of beta males pretending to be alpha males, yeah, males yeah. right? <laughs> so true. <laughs> right? Yeah. And there's all these egos and you step on the egos and then they go all upset and, right? So, so you kind of got to tread very intelligently and very softly and mm -hmm. think things through, right? If I say this or I call this guy out, where's it going to end? Is that really going to bring the result that I need to get the job done? Yeah. But when you yell at a, a driver on an assignment, is that going to help you? Really pissing off the driver? Has yeah. that ever helped anybody? Yeah, and having him feel disrespected and, and stuff like right. that. The feelings that permeate the rest of your detail are probably going to cost you when it comes to his performance. Exactly. So it doesn't matter how big or whatever he is, mm -hmm. you got to keep your temper in check because yeah. you need him to be happy. You need him on your side, right? And that kind of emotional maturity and I'd like to see, and, and, and uh, I, I mean, there's one company out there offering that kind of training, um, kind of security management training. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's a big gap uh, over there. Yeah, yeah. I'm starting to see some, some really cool folks that are starting to roll out training like that. Uh, yeah. I believe Ivor's rolling something out that's going to target. Absolutely. I'm really excited about.
Yeah, and, and Ivor's training is exactly, it's not detailed training. It's management training. It is absolutely not about the tactical, it's about managing and setting up operations and managing operations. Um, and, and from what I've seen, uh, it is top tier stuff. It is uh, yeah. really incredible stuff. Uh, worth checking out in my humble opinion. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and he's going to be with us on the next installation of my school, the uh, master's class as well. Oh, doing excellent. So I'm so excited. It's an honor to join forces with folks like him, you know, with all you. Yeah. So security master plans was something I saw uh, yeah. in some of the, in your bio. Could you go into a definition? Like, you know, what, what, what do you, what is, what is a security master plan? This is above my head. Right. Admit- right. Well, <laughs> I have no idea. It just sounds cool. Yeah, <laughs> right. Gets him to sign on the dotted line. Yeah. Well, security master plan, I guess, uh, it's when we speak about risk assessment for kind of a hospitality or corporate headquarter or for infrastructure. Um, so it's a holistic document that's mm-hmm. basically looking at the four pillars of security. It's looking at the physical, the technological, including cyber and IT, uh, training and procedures, and manpower. So it's a holistic document that is looking at all the aspects um, of security for said uh, facility or said uh, uh, hotel or airport or whatever it is, mm-hmm. that's tying everything together. Because there has to be a symbiotic relationship between all those pieces, right? Mm-hmm. The industry has been babbling on about convergence for the last three to five years. Yeah. And very few people actually doing it effectively, um, right? Uh, but to, in today's world, if I just put in for a second, right, cyber and IT. So we were maybe a year ago going, or before COVID going, yeah, it's really important for the physical guys to sometimes meet with the cyber guys and talk about that stuff and have yeah. a bit of understanding. And for me, we're, we're, we're way past that, Byron. Mm. If me doing a physical assessment, a physical security plan for a facility or property, if I don't have understanding, of cyber and IT, if I don't have a partner uh, as I do, who is a subject matter expert in that, I cannot possibly build a security master plan. Um, I'll give you a small example. Yeah. Um, so do an assessment of a huge convention center in, in the United States, significant location. Mm-hmm. So the security manager gave me a guest pass to get into like the administrative entrance of the building where all the offices are and the GSOC and everything and finance and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I badged, I badged him, right? And my picture came up and whatever. I then right. went through the whole building, walked out the public um, exit, walked around the block and badged in again. And mm-hmm. it allowed me to badge in again. So I called the security officer, or the chief security officer, I said to him, how come I could badge in twice without badging out? Because that means I can badge in hand my badge to someone else who can then badge into the secure area of the facility and have access to everything. He said to me, oh no, you can't do that. If you haven't badged out, it won't let you badge in again. So I said, all right, well, let's try again. And again, I badged in. He's like, oh, that shouldn't happen. I'm like, all right, well. It did. (laughs) So uh, we speak, we, we go to the cyber guys, the IT guys who control the access control system. Yeah. And we say, what's up? They said, oh, yes, we did some systems check a couple of days ago and we disabled the function, right? And we didn't, we, we didn't turn it back on, right? That you had to badge out. 
Yeah. And I said to him, you see the problem here? You don't even know what they're doing. You right. don't, you, your entire access control is dependent on these guys on the 14th floor, but you don't even know what they're doing. They didn't think to report to you that they're shutting down some of your access control systems. Right? Why, why is there no communication? So it's, it's at a point yeah. where even in the EP sphere, I wrote an article by in hotels, smart rooms, right? Alexas, uh, all these hacks that are happening through smart rooms. You plug your phone into the USB port in the lamp. You're on the hotel network. Right. It can be easily hacked. You're vulnerable. Huge hack happened in Las Vegas through the fish tank thermometer. Which fish is tank a, thermometer hack? Yeah, which is a, it was an IoT Wi-Fi device. And the hackers got in to the fish tank thermometer, which was sitting on the hotel server. From there, they penetrated into the hotel database and took a whole lot of high roller details out of the system. Um, wow. There are so many vulnerabilities. And um, we as EP really need to get educated yeah. and to understand that, oh, my client's in a hotel. Well, firstly, you shouldn't be on the public network any shape or form. It's so easy for someone to sit in the parking lot, ghost the hotel Wi-Fi signal. So you think you're on the hotel Wi-Fi, but you're actually sitting <laughs> on the bad guy's Wi-Fi. Yeah. Because the hotel Wi-Fi is just so vulnerable, right? So whether you're using a hotspot or if you're plugging in your phone, use a data blocker, right? So that if there is a hack, your phone isn't vulnerable, whatever it is. But we need to get educated. Yeah. So it's, past, it's past the point of, oh, let's have a chat. Uh, with the cyber guys sometimes. So when we talk about a security master plan, it's everything. It's a holistic uh, plan of security for a facility that encompasses and takes into account all of it. Yeah, it's it's amazing how, like, I, I just hope that this information and that folks out there that are working just are becoming more well acquainted with the reality of how like porous their world is as a result of the technology they use <laughs> you know because yep. you know it's not enough to just be a ground pounder and to just you know have your gun and you are vulnerable like revenge of the nerds is a vulnerable. thing that can really <laughs> rip you apart <laughs> we, we we had a um uh, forum last week, I think. Yeah. Bellum talking exactly about that. A digital key, digital ID, digital assets, right? Yeah. And how this affects EP, right? I, I was working in, in Davos at the World Economic Forum last year. And the vehicle that I had had a smart key, which meant when I was with my principal, when I'm 12 feet away from the vehicle, the vehicle unlocked automatically, right? Mm -hmm. Now, yeah, I'm not comfortable with that, right? That's a problem for me. Yeah. Uh, for the vehicles to open before I get there with my principal. Yeah. Um, and not to mention all the bells and whistles on the vehicle that the vehicle wants to drive for you and interfere with your driving all the time, et cetera. Um, but all of these things and digital keys that the signal can easily be bounced or intercepted, right? So a bad guy can then open your client's vehicle, hack your client's vehicle, hack the braking system, the engine, um, your smart homes, and the list goes on. And how can we say so we protect us if I don't know how smart home works? And I don't know how smart key works. Um, well, oh, we'll call the cyber guy. I, uh, no, <laughs> we have to be much more integrated than that at, at this point. Yeah, yeah, I was talking to another professional, Ilya, uh, his last name's not coming to me. But oh, Umansky. Yeah, Umansky from Hong Kong. 
Yeah, he's amazing. <laughs> he's awesome. He's a good friend. He's super. Yeah. He's great podcast too, The Generalist, by the way. Say that again? He has a great podcast called The Generalist. Really? I yeah, look it up. I've got to look yeah. at it. Ridiculously he's, intelligent, amazing guy, amazing yeah, human yeah, and yeah. really intelligent guy. Yeah. Um, and he was talking about, you know, private security professionals saying, oh, I'm a private security professional. And it's like, there is like seven different competencies you need to have before running around and saying all this. And uh, he started going through them. And I mean, I'm sitting there like, yeah, I mean, I need to rush up on like three of those. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, is, yeah. it is a thing now to really try to protect someone. There's so many different areas that you really have to be, you have to be competent enough to speak and recognize things. Otherwise, yeah. it's just, it's, you can't secure people. <laughs> it, it, it's all, I think that one of the things which I, I keep coming back to lately yeah, is kind of what, what I keep calling emotional maturity. I was yeah. speaking, I can't remember to, to, on which forum, but saying, for example, right, so you're an EP guy and you're really impressed with yourself and right, mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're James Bond and you arrive at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel or whatever in Berlin you're with your, your VIP client and you think they're impressed. Right, and you think they should fall over backwards for you because mm -hmm. you've got the CEO of whatever company, right? But they actually had the president of the United States in yeah, uh, two weeks ago, <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. Next it's, week they'll have, you know. Yeah, like seven it. VIPs, right? They've had the Secret Service, they've had MI6, they've had this, they've had that, yeah. right? And you like, oh, on, you know, on either dog's bollocks, as they say. And it's like, well, not really. They're not that impressed. They're one of the top hotels in the city. They deal with us all the time. Literally, right? literally. <laughs> yeah. So stop waltzing in there like like they owe you something, right? Be respectful, smile, recruit them, yes. evangelize them, and they'll help you. Yes. If you come in there with your nose in the air like you're something important, they're really not impressed, man. And <laughs> yeah. they really couldn't care. Right. Um, so things like that, when we talk about skill sets, Mm -hmm. um, I, 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 uh, my, my good friend, uh, Miranda Copples from, from the Netherlands. So she's an expert in behavioral analysis. Really? Right? And, and we discuss this a lot. And, and it's the skill set of what you call social engineering, right? Mm -hmm. In our industry of getting people, I need the maitre d' to give me the table that I want. I need the production right. manager at this event to give me all the information that I need. Right. right, But I'm working covertly. I don't want to tell him I'm with the security detail. I just need to get the information. I get the hotel manager to do what I want. Get my agents to do what I want. Get my drivers to do what I want. Yeah. Right? All the social engineering is a huge part of our skill set. Huge. Right? And even if it's determining, is that guy a threat? Right? I right. see that guy in my environment. Hey, he might be one of the advantages of covert. Right? I can go up and just strike up a conversation. Right with him, he doesn't realize that, I, that that I'm EP. Right. So how do I structure that conversation? What are the indicators I'm looking for to figure out whether he's a bad guy or just a autograph seeker or completely innocent? Right. So there's all, and no one's teaching you this in the course, right? In your seven day EP course. <laughs> yeah, right? absolutely. No yeah, one's absolutely. teaching you this, and, and and we do in the COVID course. We throw that in there. Yeah. We're like, hey, you know, there's a restaurant. Go get me a table for tonight. Yeah, there's a Michelin star restaurant. Go get me a table for tonight. What? No, that's impossible. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> the no, client wants real. to eat there tonight. Fix it. Right? Absolutely. 
Um, Absolutely. Because that's, that's what we do, right, Byron? Like, how often do we need to shoot somebody or jump no, on no. somebody or wrestle someone to the ground? Yeah, the social engineering. It's a black eye. It's it's like it's a it's a black eye if that even ever happens, <laughs> you know. But and, and exactly. The day to day is is yeah. If we're going to this Every restaurant day. and make it happen. Get in the restaurant. Don't alarm the restaurant and have everyone freak out because you know right. dudes just walked in. Um, exactly. Recruit the manager on duty. Get him to you know get you a nice table in a nice spot. Get a security table. Right. You know. Yep. Don't tell them all your information. They can't know all yep. that. <laughs> you know. It's like yeah. where right and, yeah. and all that stuff. And nobody teaches you how to do that. Right. Right. Um, and, and it would be nice if we did, right? Oh, yeah. It would sign up for that course. Right? That's the thing. <laughs> Can you monetize <laughs> it's, it's that? It's not cool. It's right. not Only, cool. Maybe the guys that have been in the game for a minute, you know, but uh, that's interesting. Well, we'll it's interesting to monetize that information. It's like, it's like yeah, um, you can wear your you can wear your five eleven gear, <laughs> but we're actually just going to teach you how to manipulate people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is that's that's where the money's at, man. Um, okay. And you represent your clients and your detail and your company when you do it. So this is really important to be done right. Yep, absolutely. Um, what would you say is the most salient challenge facing the hospitality and business industry today, right now? I think. Well, I think I'm going to separate them out. The hospitality yes, industry, besides obviously that they've been absolutely slammed by COVID, mm, um, and the first thing they cut was security. Of course, so a lot of a lot of chief security officers and security. Officers were sent home, uh, the hotel industry. I was on an international think tank uh, for yeah. six months last year um, of the hotel industry um, from all walks of the international hotel industry. They invited me on as a security subject matter expert. And we met once in two weeks to discuss you know, the hotel industry going forward. And at that point in the pandemic, it wasn't clear, mm. right, what, what was going on. Yeah. The security was the first thing to go. Um, the challenge going forward for hotel security, and I, I said I don't, I'm not going to go down the COVID tunnel right now, right. Uh, is the same challenge it's always been, which is this balance between the guest experience and security. Right. The most important thing is a positive guest experience. Mm -hmm. and how can we have a positive guest experience Let's while see. securing the guest? Now yeah. that's fine in 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 in, in, in uh, I don't know countries where you want security. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. So in Boston, that's okay. We would worry about pickpocketing or a laptop being stolen, or you know maybe some drugs or whatever. But what about when you're in uh, in Burkina Faso, mm. right, uh, or in Amman, and, and you're in a, uh, or in Mogadishu, right? Now you want a positive guest experience, but there's actually some real threats out there yeah. to hotels. We don't want to turn it into a prison and into Fort Knox, right? But on the other hand, you do need to be secure. So it's always this balance um, for the hotel industry between going, well, nothing's ever happened, so nothing's going to happen, which is not an effective strategy. And when you say to the hotel, um, hey, would you like to do some security awareness training for your, your team, for the whole hotel, which is what we try to do, so you'll be able to notice suspicious indicators pre-attack indicators, right? Just some general security awareness. That guy sitting in the lobby for, for two days who isn't a guest and he seems to be taking pictures of stuff. Would you like to do some training? Oh, we don't have the budget. And I was like, how much do you spend on champagne for the lobby every week? <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah, seriously. Right, but you don't right. have the budget to do a bit of training for your guys. Oh. Um, so hotels, 
um, are kind of, uh, it's really challenging. And um, there's no international security standard for hotels. Each mm. brand does what they want, how they want. Okay. Um, and, and it's really challenging. Um, in, in the security world, I think that it's what we said before. In the world, sorry, in the business world, it's, it's, this, it's convergence. It's, there are nowhere close to enough companies in the world who've got their physical, cyber, and intel sitting in the same space, sharing information, and looking at their security plan, if it's the corporate security plan or the physical security plan, um, in a holistic kind of way. Mm. They're all still off doing their own thing, right? And it's not yeah. being married. It's not being brought together. Uh, and it, as the cyber threats, et cetera, develop, yeah. the gaps are becoming larger and larger for exploitation. Um, and and the, the industry as a whole, the corporate industry has to kind of get on that quickly and understand that you, know, you cannot silo. There can't be a separation of powers here. Um, yeah. All the security managers have to be in the same room um, strategizing together and understanding how they affect each other. Yeah, no, that's good. I think too, because it's funny, you know, you get the, uh, you get the, um, nothing's happened, so let's cut the security budget thing, you know? It's like these guys have basically done their job and mitigated uh, <laughs> risks. We have no awareness, you know, of, of these risks. So, hey, nothing's happened, let's cut the security, you know? <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, a colleague said that to me recently. Yeah. Uh, you say to the client, well, that's like saying, hey, none of my food's gone bad, so let's get rid of the fridge. Yeah, right? <laughs> literally, you know. There's nothing wrong with the food. Why do we need a refrigerator? Right? Yeah. Uh, to keep yeah. the food, guys. To keep the food. And, yeah. and I think it, it, what you were saying is, is so important. And this is also something I see cross over into faith-based security operations where, you know, I'll have a team and we're dealing with volunteers, uh, it's like we'll do training just to multiply the, the level of efficacy, the baseline level of uh, intelligence and ability to recognize and know what to do of the just the body we're trying to protect, you know, and 100%. when that competence is increased, then the manpower is less stressed. And I tell them, like, look, really, all we're trying to do is build an information network to get the right people to the right problems when they arise as quickly as possible, you know, okay. and and getting that perceived value in there, you know, especially in a hotel environment, it's like, hey, this will help your mission. <laughs> this will help you. This will help us work together to accomplish your mission. You know, I good. think I think you framed that exactly right, Byron. Um, and it's funny. I actually used to run a, a volunteer operation for for faith-based security back in the day in South Africa, right at the beginning of my career. Volunteer um, stuff's a whole nother type of beast. That's a whole different leadership thing. Uh, yes, but it's, it's extraordinary. Yeah. So you say to a, a property, um, uh, I was speaking to a Vegas property once, a hotel. Yes. Trying to explain to them. And I said, this is after the Mandalay Bay uh, incident. <laughs> I said to them, look, how many security people do you have on a, on a shift, right? 12, 14, 20, and they're all watching the gaming tables, right? That's where their attention is. Uh, I said, but you've got the greeters at the door as people walk in, right? I said, imagine if they were trained 
right? It's two hours of training. It's suspicious indicators. And when they say, hey, hi, welcome to the whatever hotel, yeah. they could pick up, right? And if the receptionist, right, the people at reception who check people in would know right. what to look for. And the right. bellboys would know what to look for. Imagine how- These layers are already there, guys. <laughs> right, the exponential, you know, expansion, right? And we, we knew that about, I mean, uh, the, the Mandalay Bay, right? It, yeah. <clears throat> my, one of my, my slides in my presentations always is, you know, I put up the see something, say something slide. And uh, my next slide says, if I see what, tell who. Yeah. Right? If yeah. you see something, say, like, what is this thing we meant to be seeing? What is this something? You know, we right. don't know what they are. Exactly. We know, but the general public don't know. Mm -hmm. And if we can educate people in a hotel or in a, a corporate environment or in an infrastructure, right? Like in an airport, right? Right. Right. So if you think about Ben Gurion Airport in Tel Aviv, which is probably one of those most secure facilities on the planet. Like in right? the world. <laughs> right. So I'll tell you a story. Um, during one of the wars in Israel, uh, I was at Ben Gurion Airport and the siren went off, meaning that there were missiles coming from, from the south. And you got about 60 seconds to get to, to a bomb shelter. And I was sitting having coffee and walking in front of me was an old Russian uh, airport worker, a cleaner with his cart and all his brooms and stuff, walking mm -hmm. along. The siren went off. And as soon as the siren went off, this gentleman immediately started going, okay, folks, get up, come, come this way, this way, this way. And he ushered us to a bomb shelter, right? One of the, 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 the secured rooms. And I thought, Dan, he was trained. Yeah. Well and we're trained, right? And wouldn't that be wonderful, right? right? If everybody had a clue. Because imagine how much harder that makes it for the bad guys. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. But, uh, well, it's a challenge. <laughs> no, this is such good stuff, man. And honestly, it's really, I've, it's kind of one of my missions in life, like with my brands, with Protector Nation, it's getting civilians. And with the even the um, real world tactical protection reviews that I post that are of real world violence, it's, you know, as a security professional, we see these things coming out here, you know, like I see the guy across the club that's about to get punched in the face. You know? <laughs> right. And I'm like, no, you know, when you're back, you're like, no, you know, you see, I had a situation with someone at a church is like one of the pastors is talking to this veteran he's like kind of telling him about like not to hit on the girls or something i can just tell this veteran's about to punch him in the face like and i'm watching from a distance and you know i come over and i'm like hey you guys how you guys doing you guys good like you know and i just just let my presence be known you know and the vet kind of looks over at me and you know the pastor guy's like yeah we're great man we're having a little chat here's fine thank you you know going ahead and have a nice day and i'm like if you, yeah. you, 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 your, your, your perspective dictates your performance. <laughs> you know? um, that, that's so true. And, it, and I love that about Israel. You know, everyone's got some training. People run towards gunfire there. You know, you, yeah. uh, someone goes active, active shooter gets yeah, one and a half people shot by everyone. Problem <laughs> right. You know, over yeah. here in America, we got double digits, you know, of right. casualties coming out of one person with a weapon. Correct. You know, it's, it's, it's yeah, you're absolutely right. Here, look, it's a national consciousness. Yes. So firstly, everybody's been to the military, right? But it's, it's kind of more than that. So yeah. one piece is that kind of Israelis, because of our life right. here, yeah. it's like you get up kind of ready for war, right? Like you're ready for the fight. Yeah? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it, it, it permeates, right? 
Um, but the other thing is, um, it really is a country of people who have fought for everything they have. Mm-hmm. Um, and exactly. So when someone stands up and tries to harm that, exactly, everybody runs towards it. Uh, you know, active threat uh, situations in Israel are generally done within 60 to 90 seconds. Right. right? Beautiful. Somebody, somebody will jump him running down with a car, yep. uh, you know, <laughs> hit, hit him with a guitar, whatever yeah. it is, it will be taken care of. Yeah. Um, and in the U.S., well, well we're not going to get into that. I don't want to pass judgment, but it's, uh, <laughs> but here it really is a national consciousness. And I spoke once and somebody asked me about that in the U.S. And I said, look, in Israel, it's 70 years of living like this, right, since the founding of the nation. Uh, it's every day. Yeah. So it, 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 it's a process. You can't just wave a magic wand. Yeah. Right. So after 9-11, everybody was, you know, for a right. while, for a while. And, and you know, I was in the States, off. you know, exactly. It was like three years ago I was in the States. And I'm, yeah. I'm in, you know, Grand Central Station and there's a backpack there. And I'm like, hey, sorry, folks, you know, whose backpack is that? And then yeah. just kind of looked at me like I'm an idiot. And yeah. then somebody said, well, what do you think it is, a bomb? I'm like, well, possibly, yes. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, but, but but people people forget, um, and you know that's nice. It's nice that people don't go around being paranoid. Right. Um, but a, a happy uh, balance Medium. would be nice, right? If the public would open their eyes. Yeah, I remember after that one shooting. I can't even remember which one it was. And right, I saw some neighbors interviewed, and, and the woman goes, "I remember this. I've been telling her for weeks that guy something's not right." Yeah. Why did you tell somebody? Yeah. So you noticed after the fact that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So, so that kind of thing kind of drives me crazy. I'm like, so you recognize, right? You you you're all saying opposite. Yeah, yeah. He's been acting really strange. So just say something to someone. You don't have to be there. Just call someone. Right. Point it out. Let the professionals will figure it out from there. Right. Mm-hmm. It takes some responsibility. Yeah, well, I think the PC culture has really put a damper on this party because yes, you know, that neighbor was afraid of being a xenophobic, uh, yeah. white, evil, exactly. devil. And then the cops, you tell the cops, they're going to be like, right. well, you know, they might even also tiptoe, right. you know, and then you got bombs going off and, and uh, coordinated attacks happening all around the city, you know, as a result. Well, of this. I, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell you a... A real incident. Yeah. Um, this was at an event. It was actually at the NFL draft. Wow. Uh, where I had the privilege of working a, a few years ago in Nashville. And we had a team doing whatever. And we identified uh, actually an FBI profiler who was sitting with me uh, in the sock. We identified on camera somebody who really looked like a potential suicide bomber. Mm-hmm. It, it was a gentleman. Uh, Fit, you know, ticked all the boxes, including he had a huge backpack around the front that he was hugging and he was nervous and he absolutely didn't fit in, wasn't speaking with anybody, right. wasn't smiling. It's the draft, right? Everybody's drunk. Yeah, everybody's everyone's having excited. a good time, right? <laughs> yeah. And um, it, the profiler calls me, he's like, hey, what do you think? I'm like, yeah, uh, that's not good, right? Us Israelis, we have like nine indicators of a suicide bomber and he was displaying about six of them at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he... So, so the, the chief security officer says to me, hey, Mac, why did you go and talk to him? I'm like, what? <laughs> Thank you. He's like, yeah. oh, well, you know, you, you, you know you, you're the best. I'm like, all right. Yeah, yeah. Push you to the so front. 
pushing right. you. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. You come from Israel. You know what to do with suicide yeah. bombers. I'm like, well, why? Anyway. So like I, 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 I put in my football jersey and you know, I, I trundle out there and I grab a cup of beer and, you know, I bump into the guy and swallow my yeah. beer and strike up a conversation. So the short story is that I ascertained that I didn't think he was an imminent threat, but something was absolutely not okay about this guy. I don't know if it was a dry run or what, but he did not fit. Awesome. So uh, I called it back in and I said, look, I think you should send Metro down here to you know, take him aside, look at his ID and maybe just ascertain what's going on. All right. So I, I take a distance. I keep eyes on him. Two officers arrive a little while later. I see they look at him. They mumble. They talk into the radio and they disappear. Right. And I get an order to stand down. I'm like, all right, go back to the command center. I'm like, okay, so it's what? I kid you not. The answer was this. Well, the police are currently, you know, there's actually a lawsuit against them for racial profiling uh, from some incident, whatever. And this guy, um, he, he's dressed like uh, a Sikh. So they were like, well, they didn't want to approach him because they didn't want to be accused of, of, of religious profiling and blah, blah, blah. And they were worried about the fallout. So, you know, I'm like, there's 600,000 people here. There's interest. And a potential suicide bomber. And your concern is <clears throat> for political. I, I, honestly, I, I was I, I was speechless, Brian. I was just like, yeah. all right, it, it's your call, folks. But I, I, said, I said, look, if that guy was a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, gap-wearing, khaki yeah. and polo shirt, behaving like that, we would have pinged him too. He'd be on the floor. It's a nut, <laughs> yeah, it's a nothing to do wall. with a beard, folks. Yeah. yeah, it's nothing to do with a beard. It's to do with his behavior. Right, right. right. That, I didn't ping him because he had a beard. I pinged him because of everything Nervous, else. he's got all the right Yeah, nervous. Yeah. You know, and when, when I spoke to him, he, he was hugging the bag and avoiding eye contact, and he, 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 he couldn't give me any information about anything. I'm yeah. like, this is not racial profiling. This is just security work, man. Yeah. Um, but they they weren't interested. So I, I was actually quite shocked by that situation. Absolutely. Um, but and it to is, do this again. job to do this job well, profiling, behavioral profiling, and profiling in context <clears throat> is necessary. I remember, I mean, even to go all the way back to Iraq for like a simple ex right. example, we you you run you you you're running your mission you're running your patrol you see sheep herders cool you see guys in uh sweatsuits and jeans with tennis shoes on yo you better pay attention you better figure out what's going on right now because them dudes in tennis shoes <laughs> you yeah. know they're the guys you gotta watch out for you know and it's yeah, it, profile but sales it, people it, are profiling single people are profiling we're all doing it you know what i mean <laughs> absolutely you know i i i uh, have a slide that I put up when I'm teaching. And it's got about 70, 80 different faces on it from yeah. all different races, religions, ages, blah, blah, blah. And I tell the audience, I'm like, okay, pick out a face here which would make you feel threatened. Right. Right. Don't tell me who it is. And then I said to them, okay, we didn't all pick out the same face, right? We picked out different faces. Why? Well, because we grew up somewhere and we were educated mm -hmm. somewhere and we yeah. saw certain movies and had certain teachers and read certain books and blah, 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 blah. I said, and that's okay. I said, you are threatened by that face because of prejudice. Right. It's not a crime. Right. It's not okay if you would treat that person differently or not right. give them a job or right. somehow degrade them or be against them because of that prejudice. But the fact that if you walk down the road, right, and you see me coming towards you, 
you'd right. feel threatened. And if you saw my mother coming towards you as 87, you wouldn't feel threatened. It isn't because you're prejudiced against me, right? right? It's because I'm a big, intimidating, ugly guy, right? Uh, <laughs> I, I fit them, right? <laughs> right. And it's like, so, so get over yourselves, right? If you see a Doberman when you're jogging, you cross the road. If you see a poodle, you don't cross the road. It's not because you hate pointy, black and brown, long-snouted dogs. No, it's it's yeah. just because Dobermans bite, Yeah. right? And and it's a rational uh, rational decision making, right. and you know uh, it, it, it is it is okay. So I once had a discussion with a guy who was very upset because he'd been singled out for his luggage to be searched, right? Yeah. And he fit a certain profile, and uh, he was very upset. And I, I said to him, "Look, I get it. I said I get that this is kind of immoral and mm-hmm. embarrassing." and prejudicial and discriminatory and wrong. He's like, you only pulled me out because I look like this and blah, blah, blah. I said to him, yeah, you're probably right. I said to him, and I don't, don't think that's nice, but right. it's necessary. I said, right. because if, if this goes south, you and your children are also over here, right? You'll also be affected. So wouldn't you rather we were a little bit prejudiced and everybody was safe? He said to me, you know, human dignity comes before all else. I said to him, I respectfully disagree. Human life comes right. before all else. You know, screw your dignity right now. Right. You know, if I go to Iraq as an Israeli, they might well be suspicious of me. Right. Right. 100%. And, and I'd understand that. And that's right. okay. Right. <laughs> and if I'm, you know, in the hood and I'm dressed like a gangster and I get treated right. like a gangster, you know, it's, it's, that's the game, you know, you have to understand yeah. And that I found, you know, especially even being a black guy, I've, I, you know, I've had in incidents where I've ran into police contact and things like that, right. just for being in places and stuff. And I try to dress the, you know, like the right. way I want to be addressed. And at the end of the day, I pull back, you know, after the police realize that I'm not, or after the people right. who call the police on me realize I'm not. Right. And you have to have a sober conversation. Well, what do combatants in this environment look like? Oh man, they look like me. <laughs> you know, what I, mean? you know, I got cops right. called on me for sitting in the right. car with my other brother having a conversation right. when he got called back. He got back from Afghanistan. People called the cops. Right. Look, they said, "Looks like there's a drug deal going on in the parking lot." You know, and then after everyone figures out that there's not, there, everyone's fine with us, and it's like, "Oh, well, this because you're black." I'm like, "No, it's because this is what combatants in this environment look like." And context is it matters, and it's a survival Whoa. skill. <laughs> you know, context. You are- well, but Byron, you are so on the money, and and I appreciate the fact that you 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 have the courage to say that uh, in this climate. Um, we we were uh, running a covert course down in Grand Junction, right? Mm-hmm. Now, anyone who's been to Grand Junction know that um, well. There's not a lot of diversity down there, right? <laughs> right, right, right. And, and and so there was a guy in the course, and this is an important EP takeaway. Yeah. Um, so he was dressed like he was from the hood, right? Yeah. African-American dressed like he's from the hood. And, yeah. and we went out into field exercise and I thought, have you not been listening to anything we've been teaching you about covert operations? <laughs> anyway, he was in the, the parking lot outside the big Lowe's. He was left there to kind of keep an eye on the client's car. The next thing I see two police cruisers <laughs> come flying into I'm like, oh crap. So I go running across go. the yeah. parking lot. You know, they already like had him on the cruiser. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. wait. Yeah. Now he was really insulted. Mm-hmm. And and that night, all right, we had a drink, and I said to him, "Look, I'm going to tell you two things. One is, if you had dressed 
in khakis and a white shirt and a bow tie and some glasses, nobody would have said a word to you, right? Right. Uh, but you dress like you're from the hood in Grand Junction, Colorado, walking around the parking lot where people have, you know, tools and stuff in their trucks. What did you think was going to happen, right? I'm not justifying it, but like... But it's the reality. Like, it's just... This is this gravity. It exists, man. (laughs) And I said to him, and I said, I'm not here to teach you about, uh, 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 you know, systemic racism. I said, I I don't have a dog in the fight. I'm a South African-Israeli, right? So who am I to chirp? But... I said, what I want you to learn from this is that if you want to work in EP, you've got to get over yourself, man. Yeah. If I'm with a client, I'm Jewish. If I'm with a client and he goes to a neo-Nazi meeting because yeah. he thinks that's cool, if yeah. I'm going to get upset about that, I can't do the job. Right. Right. What my clients do and how we, I go with him and how the environment reacts to me, I cannot take that personally. And it If you're going to get emotional about that, you cannot do this job. Yeah. Right? If you're going to let that get under your skin, man, you've got to be like Robocop. 100%. Everything's cool. Everything's fine. Right. I see nothing. I hear nothing. I know nothing. Right. Um, but you can't let your emotions get the better of you when you're doing this job. It, it, it is a serious disadvantage. You'll fail out. You will fail yeah. out. <laughs> you will. Exactly. 100%. Exactly right. That's good, man. Yeah. Uh, switching gears a little bit real quick. Yeah. Uh, International operations, how do you guys approach vetting different vendors when you're going down that road? Phenomenal question. Um, yeah, I get it. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say something else, which <laughs> might get me into trouble, <laughs> which might get me into trouble, right? Great. I love it. <clears throat> I, I enjoy meeting uh, guys with companies and they go, we've got a, a global footprint. We have vetted vendors in every country in the world. And I'm like, yeah. no, hmm. you don't. <laughs> right. really those, don't. those tectonic plates are moving all the time. Guys. Right. No, you don't. Cause nobody does. The fact that you met a guy at a coffee shop in Tashkent once doesn't mean you have a vetted vendor in Tashkent. It exactly. means you know a dude who knows a dude whose cousin has another guy in Baku in Azerbaijan who can provide yeah. you vehicles. Who can get some bodies on the ground and hopefully make you look good. <laughs> right, exactly. And not screw the pooch. Exactly. Yeah. That is not a vetted vendor, folks. Um, so the first thing I'm going to say, be transparent, right? So clients ask us, right? Well, can you provide this and this and this? We go, all right, look, here's a list of about 50 countries um, in Europe, Middle East, and Africa where we're really strong, mm-hmm. right? My team have been in this industry for, for, for two decades, where we have people we know. We've visited them, we know their drivers, we know their faces, we know their vehicles, we know the level of service, and I can guarantee you this level of service. Hey, can you set up a transportation in Ouagadougou? <laughs> I'm like, well, I can, but I can't tell you that it's a vetted vendor. Right. Yeah, I can have my guys out in Nigeria, source somebody in Ouagadougou, Burkina Faso for you, um, and I trust them, and they're solid guys, but can I tell you that I personally vetted that vendor in Burkina Faso? No, I haven't. I have no idea who he is, mm-hmm. right? And I'm going to be honest about that. Yeah. So what is vetting, right? What, what does vetting mean? Uh, there are companies, Byron, who have vetted vendors who they've been working for five years who they've never met. Right, 100%. Like, this is right, you, have a vetted, right, you have a vetted vendor in, 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 in Madrid, and he provides good service, but you've actually never been out there. He's never met anybody from your company. 
You haven't seen his officers. You haven't inspected his vehicles. You haven't looked at his paperwork. You haven't yeah. met his drivers. You haven't met him. So what does vetted exactly mean? Right. <laughs> Somebody hooks me up with a guy who luckily hasn't screwed up yet. Yeah. So, so, so for me, in our company anyway, that's not vetting, right? Uh, but that is the first, usual baseline. That, yes, that, that's that is. the reality right? of the industry yeah. very often. But, but, but what, what you'd like is firstly, certainly to see that all paperwork, licenses, insurance, uh, local registrations, local permits uh, are, are, are there. Mine. Yeah. Ideally, you'd like to get out there, meet with them, see their setup. Is this a guy just working uh, from his, his living room, subcontracting everybody? Does he own his vehicles? Does he subcontract his vehicles? If he subcontracts the vehicles, how does he control the maintenance on those vehicles? Right. So I hire Bob, right? And he's Maybach. But how do I know that Bob maintains that Maybach correctly? Mm. Right. And he's servicing it on time and he's using genuine Mercedes parts and blah, blah, blah. Right. Which brings me back to what I said earlier. Too much of the success is based on the absence of failure. So the fact that Bob hasn't screwed up, everything's great. Right. Yeah. But when you hear clients when you get chatting with clients and they go, you know, how many times we've worked with, uh, you know, Bob's company and yeah. the vehicles have been atrocious and the vehicles have been old. And the drivers told me, well, I'm not really a security driver. I'm really an Uber driver that, you know, is moonlighting for Bob yeah. right? or, or driver in Davos in January who went, you know, who was busy skidding because he couldn't drive the car in the snow. And he, he told the principal, he's like, well, look, I've never really driven in the snow before. So why did someone hire him as a, 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 a you know a security agent and a driver? And he uh, told the client when he after he made a mistake too. <laughs> yeah, right, right. When he's like skidding down the hill back, right, <laughs> right. Yeah. So, right. So, so for me, that's not vetting. So vetting right. is yes, medium. Win. Vetting, like we 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 um, commit to our clients that we meet with our vendors at least once a year, if not twice a year. And if that means that I've got to send my uh, the, the, the directors of the EP division on a road trip, not yeah. because they're going there for a job, that the company spends money and says, okay, guys, you're going to go around Europe now for the next week, country to country, and visit our vendors. That's what you need to do. So you can also align expectations with the vendors. Yeah. Right? Hey, guys, this is what we expect from you when working with us and our clients. Yeah. Right? And we're doing quality control. So we can say, you know what, Bob? After that assignment in uh, Berlin, actually, we, we weren't so happy with the one driver or the one vehicle because of this. And the other thing you can do when you sit and you meet with your vendors is say, how can we better support you? What do you need from us? Are the instructions clear enough? Do we give you enough warning? Are you happy with the rates? Right? How can we support each other? Take the guy, take the vendor out for dinner, get him a good steak and a beer, show your appreciation for the vendor. Right? right. Let him feel that he's cared about, that you trust him, that you, you, you appreciate him, and he'll give you better service in the future. Right. But it, vendors are everything to us. Right. Pay another 50 bucks for the. I, I, it drives me insane yeah. when I hear vendors going, yeah, well, you know, they squeezed us down. You know, we wanted 500 bucks a day and they squeezed us to 450. I'm like, but they're charging 1200 a day. Yeah. Why are you squeezing the vendor? You're making all these demands of the vendor. I want the best vehicles, the best people, the best this, the best that. Red carpet, yeah. You know, but I don't. I don't want to pay for it. Right. It's like you're making fifty percent. You're making eighty percent. Yeah. <laughs> Make fifty bucks less. 
treat your vendors with respect and they will do the same for you. 100%. There's nothing more motivating than when they know they're to getting taken care of or will be getting taken care of. It just, and, and for me, business has to be a win-win. It has to be a win-win. 100%. Otherwise, I don't even want to do the deal, to tell you the truth. I need that person excited about the business they're about to do and represent my brand, my client's brand, and our relationship 100%. on the ground. Are, it's got to be. You are so win-win. right. Richard Branson, in one of his early books yeah, back in the 80s, used to write about the internal customer. Mm. That if you treat the internal customer well, they'll take care of the external customer. So if you treat your employees right, if you treat your team right, if you treat your vendors right, they'll deliver to the client because they don't want to disappoint you. Yeah. They, they want to please you. But right. if you're going to behave you know, in a disrespectful way or you're not going to remunerate them uh, in a good way and you're not going to give them a bonus and you're not going to show them appreciation, then why would they make the effort for you? Why would they care? Um, no. You need to build long-term relationships. You need to make customers, not sales, man. Absolutely. Right. It's all about the relationships and it comes back. It's just this reciprocating thing. Yeah. You know, uh, you want them to be happy when they see you coming back to their neck of the woods again. hundred you know? percent. Absolutely. Uh, advice for folks that are trying to become that trusted advisor, you know, how, how would you say constructing that relationship should, should, should be undertaken? And real real. quick, just for for clarity, and I have a feeling this will come full circle, but uh, for, you know, for you guys listening, that trusted advisor, it's that relationship you want to have with your principal and your client where they, they, they trust you, they don't second guess you, they respect your acumen when it comes to providing security for them, you know, and it's an easy relationship where you say something and it, and it happens and they back you, not question you, you know, <laughs> become difficult, uh, second guess your judgment. You know, how do you establish yourself as that person in your principles and clients' lives, really? The, the first thing, firstly, be real, right? Yes, sir. Um, the clients are, whether the, the principles didn't get to be who they are because they're stupid people. Right. Understand can, this, man. Yeah. Right? They're read you in about, long. <laughs> yeah, they're going to read you in about 60 seconds, right? Yeah. And you can't impress them. They're billionaires, right? Yeah. Right? It's a different pedigree. Just, yeah, just be respectful. Respect yourself. Respect them. And, you know, no BS. Right? Yeah. That's the first thing. The second thing, if you want them to trust you, you need to facilitate their success. Right? Facilitate their productivity. Their it's mission. about them. It's not about you. Right? right. <laughs> One of the nicest uh, lines I ever heard uh, from the, the, the company where I previously worked was that a client once said to, to the company, you guys make it easier for us to travel so we travel more. Right. Right. Lovely. That's, what that's a huge compliment. It's so yeah, good. Everything. Like, you know? Exactly. What it's more? Everything. You support right? the mission, their mission. Yeah. Whatever that is, if it's shopping, if it's sightseeing, if it's whatever it is you want, if it's because you're like this toilet paper in your hotel suite, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. We are there to, to, to facilitate their success. And when you do that, that's when the client starts to go, this is really nice. Right. Right. Our clients, most of them, because of how powerful they are, if you start suggesting that mm-hmm. they should be 
scared or they're in danger and you're there to protect them. They're like, <laughs> run along, my boy. Right? Yeah. Do they look like they need protecting, right? They, they really don't. They aren't the kind of people who feel vulnerable. Yeah, they've um, faced a million weak. dragons to get to where they're at. Like they're exactly. dealing with problems constantly. And if you can't do that, right. you, you, you're not part of the team. <laughs> exactly. So 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 trying to, to intimidate them or scare them is going to get you nowhere. Right. The value they see in you Right, is that it's facilitating. They land, boom, everything happens. Man. Right. Cars are there. They get to every single meeting on time. They have the water they like. They have the whiskey they like in the room. They yep. have the table they want. You know their schedule. You know, that's what they want. And they go, wow, this, this really feels good. Right? This is great. What, one yep. of the nicest compliments, if I can, whatever, my own horn for a second. Yeah, I had a, a client. He was with about fifty of his team from his company on like a team building trip in mm -hmm. Israel. We worked together for about a week. We had two tour buses and then a, a separate vehicle for him, the CEO. Right. We toured all around the country, and then you know some of them wanted to go here, and some of them wanted to go there, and the wives wanted to go shopping, and some people wanted to go to the old city, and some didn't. Blah, 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 blah. And it, it was cats. like herding cats, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then I had the principal himself and. Yeah, and I had to put in extra resources and, and the logistics in it. And they were a big pharmaceutical company. And on the last night, they were having this farewell dinner, whatever. And you know, I was kind of outside on the street. Um, and he texted me. He's like, hey, you know, can you come in here a minute? Yeah. I was like, yeah, sure. So I went in. And he said, and these are all like senior managers in the company. He said, all of you. He goes, I want to say something about this young man. This was some time ago, right? Wow. He said, he said, um, my headphones might die, uh, in which case I will change. He said, I want you all to take notes about how this guy managed this last week. He was one guy responsible for all of our lives and all of our logistics and all the hotels and the restaurants and the luggage and the buses and the drivers. He goes, and everything was absolutely smooth. There were no hiccups. There was nothing. He said, I wish half of you could manage stuff as well as this guy over here. Mm. Right. And I was like bright red and whatever. But that was one of the biggest compliments I'd ever received from anybody. This yeah. guy was the CEO of a you know, multi-billion dollar company. Right. right. And that's kind of, it was fairly early on in my career, but that's kind of when I thought, well, wow, we, we really are. We're like managers, right? Yeah. We manage all this logistical stuff. Right. And uh, you know, that's why you're so exhausted after an assignment. It's not right. from the physical, it's because your mind has been on fire. Working, 19 hours yeah, a day looking ahead the whole time right? yeah uh, ahead about everything about the traffic and about the drivers and about the hotel and about the trip owner and about the meetings and blah 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 and when you do that for the client that's when you become a trusted advisor that's when they go when, when the client goes the pa calls you and says hey we're meant to be wheels up in two hours but they just called that the corporate jet has a problem so we don't have a plane but we need to leave tonight can you fix that please mm -hmm. and you fix it that's when they go, all right, this is value. This is value, right? Ah, oh, the client needs to have a, a conference call from the FBO, but it's super, you know, super confidential and he doesn't want to be on their Wi-Fi, right? And you send someone off into town to go buy a Wi-Fi hotspot and you get it to the airport in time, you set it all up for him, all right, et cetera. That's the value add. It's mm -hmm. not because I, I, I'm a ninja, right? right? That's the value add. And that's how you become a trusted advisor. Um, Consistency, right? Consistency over time. Deliver consistently every time 
And it doesn't matter if it's small or bigger. A, a client recently asked me to do something. And he said, hey, Matt, could you take care of this for us? I know it's not really what you do, but it would be great if you could do this for us. And he goes, I know there's not really any money in it, but, and, and if it's too much of a hassle, whatever like that, I'm like, of course. Like, oh, yeah. Well, of course, you're a client. Like, if there's no money in it, I'll still do it. If that's what you that's need me to do. Learn. It will be done, right? Relationship equity. <laughs> of course, of course. That's, I'm stealing that. I love that word. That, that, that phrase, I'm stealing. But, but that's what it is. And if you want to be that person and you want the return business, yeah. right? Just deliver. Don't baffle them with BS, right? Don't handle them, right? Do not handle your clients, right? right. I, I don't think I've ever said no to a client. Yeah. It, 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 it really is, is that simple, I guess. Um, and deliver, deliver constantly. Do not promise what you can't deliver. Yeah. Right? Um, if, you can't, if you can't deliver, just say, you know what? Uh, I, I guess that's one of the downfalls of some of the companies, Byron, is that scalability is a huge problem. Mm -hmm. so, so the client comes along and says, can you do this and this and this and this? And it's a huge job. So you go, yeah, sure, no problem. And then you're on Facebook going, hey, in uh, Florida this weekend, Right, and you're hiring guys that you've never met, that you have no idea, right? And and that's risking your reputation, man, because it only takes one yeah. bad assignment to to ruin your name in the market. Yeah. So rather just go, you know what? We're at capacity right now. We can't take this on. I can refer you to Byron. You know, I'm sure he can help you out, and maybe you can get a commission back from Byron. But don't be greedy. Yeah. If you're busy, do your work. If you don't have the resources, just say. I cannot handle that right now. I can't deliver. Right. Because otherwise you're, you're cutting off your nose to spite your face. Right. And um, they'll respect you for that, I find. <laughs> they'll respect you for just being honest about your capabilities, I find. You know, hundred percent. Absolutely. Again, because they're not stupid people. Right. They know business. Not at all stupid. If there's anything you could change about the industry, what would that be? It would be... Um, my my uh, uh, one of my guides in life and my mentor was my first uh, martial arts teacher, uh, Shem mm -hmm. Chris Thompson, back in South Africa. And the first lesson in the dojo, the first day we walked in with our white belts, he said, "Leave your ego at the door." Yeah. Right. He said, "In this room, in this hall over here, in this dojo, there's no room for egos." He goes, "That's why you're all wearing right white white suits and white belts. Doesn't matter if you're." a billionaire, right, or, or whatever, in here, we're all the same, right? Yeah. You don't have your, your your Armani and your Breitling, and there's nothing here. You don't know no. who anyone is in this. We're here in white suits with white belts, uh, just learning for self-betterment, because egos stay outside. And if I could change something about our industry, it would be that. Just leave the ego at the door, man. Just check it at the door. Right. When we talk, when we meet at a conference, when we're on Facebook, you don't need it. Right. You do not need it. All it does is tell us how insecure you are. Right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly, <Sorry>. man. <laughs> exactly. And blind. And blinded by yeah. it. And blinded yeah. by it, man. I don't think more of you. I think less of you. I'm like, I don't want to work with this guy. Right. Right. He's like a peacock. He's so inflated. Just tell it like it is, man. Just be real. I want to know people. I, 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 you know, I have a huge network and I, I love meeting people. I love mentoring people. I love helping people. Yeah. Right? 
But even that, there's some people you, know, you try to help and they say you can bring the horse to water, but you can't make a drink. Right? Yeah. I'm like, man, I'm telling you. And then they're like, oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, it didn't work out. I'm like, but we discussed this, right? And it's not because I'm so very clever. But when you've been around the block a few times, you go, well, we can try help you not to make the same mistakes that us idiots made, right? Right. We made them. So, so, so maybe if you're young yeah. in the industry, just take a leaf, right? Talk to the people who've been around a long time. Um, I'm not saying that there's there's plenty we don't know and there's plenty we need to learn. Right. Um, but but when people who've been there and done that give you advice, pay attention, right? Yes. Uh, I, I once heard someone say, um, uh, back in the day, I was at a conference um, well, with, with Christian, with Christian West. And a guy came up to Christian and, you know, anyone who knows Christian knows, you know, jeans and a, a, and a bunny shirt. t-shirt, right? Yeah. And this guy was dressed up to the nines, right? And um, we made some comment about his, his outfit. And he said, yeah, well, you know, you got to fake it till you make it. And Christian said, yes, and then when you make it, you don't have to fake it anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> and, right. And, 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 right. And I thought about what he said, and I thought, but that's it. The people who are really there, the people at the top of the game, usually they're not like that. They're not right. faking it. They're not all puffed up. They're usually right. really nice people. who are mm-hmm. happy to talk and happy to chat and happy to help. Yeah. It's the layer just under that where you find all the smoke and mirrors. The new money. And it's not. Yeah, and it's <laughs> not necessary, man. It's not, yeah. it's not necessary. If you're good at what you do, it will be recognized and you'll go forward. So I mean, that's what I'd like to change. It's just exhausting sometimes, right? Yeah. No, it's, it is. It's exhausting. It's problematic. And it stops growth, really. It stops yeah. them from getting what it is they want, which is to be legitimate. Yes. It's like the billionaire that you're with one day and and no one knows or can even tell they're a billionaire because the way they carry themselves and dress and the way they, they just look like a guy, you know? And and then you're with the new money uh, folks who are just like, bam, you know, and they're tele- telegraphing yep. it everywhere. And you're like, this, there's, there's levels to this stuff. It's, I actually really have it. And there's, I want you to think I have it. And right. it's a slippery slope, it's dangerous. It's dangerous, and I think it damages the industry in the long run. Yeah, because it just it it just uh, it just projects something that that we don't need to be. Yeah, hundred percent. Right? It's not necessary. Any predictions for our industry? Any trends? Any things that pop up to you? Places and directions you think we're going that you'd like to talk about? Um, well, besides the clear need for the integration of cyber and IT. Yes. Uh, knowledge and whatever we call the technically enhanced EP agent or whatever terminology you're coming up with. Yeah. Um, but I once gave a, a talk at ACES called Human Tech. Hmm. Right? So it's kind of how does technology support EP? And, and actually, um, planning on giving a talk at IPSB, hopefully, um, with my cyber partner hmm. to talk about how we actually integrate cyber tools into the way we do certainly in our company ep um actual not just oh you know if the client gets hacked but actually tools from the cyber toolbox that we can use to better protect our clients uh, on the road etc and the symbiosis between those things so that's one area where it's definitely going the other area is this um, consolidation that we're seeing 
these massive mm-hmm. companies that are buying up smaller companies right. and um, <clears throat> kind of trying to dominate uh, the, the industry completely. Um, it's an interesting development. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how the clients respond, right? Because we're still hearing from a lot of clients, yeah, no, we're not really comfortable sitting with a massive corporation, right. especially if it's going to be a public company, right? Mm-hmm. I don't really want my EP uh, Unit program and expenditure yeah. to be uh, in, public. in the public domain right. that they can scrutinize what we <laughs> spent and how we spent and etc. Um, <clears throat> but there is definitely room still for the, excuse me, uh, for the small boutique companies who are giving personalized service, like you said, the trusted advisor. When the companies get too big, quality control is uh, a real challenge. Yeah. Um, you know, that personal clients want to feel that they are the most important person, right, 100%. for you. When they call, they want my complete attention. They expect me to respond immediately. Yes. They don't want to get a different operator every time they call. They don't want me to get back to them tomorrow. They want to speak to me and they want to speak to me now and they want me to solve their problem now. Right. And the big corporations, from what I've seen, one of the challenges is they're not agile enough for our industry. Mm-hmm. You know, an aircraft carrier can't turn as quickly as a speedboat. Little bit right? big. <laughs> yeah. And in this, you know, in this in this industry, agility and flexibility is everything. That's right. Yeah. Hey Byron, I need you to get on detail on this tomorrow. Well, hey, Mac, you know, uh, you want to give an email address from your company? Yes. Uh, call the IT department. Oh, no, we need two months, and we need a requisition slip signed in triplicate by 17 different people to initiate an email. It's like, no, can't, can't work like that, right? Right. Can't work like that. So I think that it's going to be interesting uh, to see how this plays out. There's some very big players. There are other players emerging, kind of corporations who are buying up kind of in this octopus way, buying up things and, yeah. trying to make these huge organizations. Um, but I said, I think for top-end boutique uh, companies uh, like, like you provide, like myself, I think there's still plenty of room. I think the clients still feel much more comfortable with that. Right. Um, and if, I think if the big corporations are clever, mm-hmm. instead of tr- like making it a competition, they'll look to partner and go, hey, you know, uh, Byron, you're really strong in these and these and these regions. Can you provide support for us? Right. Right. Um, you know, but I'm not sure that's the way they're going to go. Yeah, that's interesting. No, that's good. That's that's good foresight. That's good feedback. What would you say would be the hardest lessons you've learned over your career? I guess in in the early years, um, the hardest thing to learn was to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Right. It's it's you want to prove yourself. You want to show you want to this, you want to that. I remember, you know, so I'd be working with, you know, really top, top clients and they'd come out with the lead agent from the U.S. and they'd come to wherever we were working and we'd be in the brief. Yeah. And sometimes chief security officers from big corporations kind of they don't share everything all at once, right? And they give you right. some information. And then later on over dinner, they'll tell you a little bit more. <laughs> mm-hmm. And me, so they'd say ABC and I'd be, yes, well, but what about D, E, and F? And when we come there, and when we go there, what do you go? Because I wanted to show that I knew. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. Until until I kind of felt that they were looking at me like, 
Seriously. Do you think that I don't know that we need to do all that stuff? You think right. that I haven't thought that through? You think that I'm not going to ask all those questions? Do you think that I don't know my job? Right. Like, I didn't ask for the information about the medical facilities. It's not because I forgot, buddy. So you don't <laughs> need to, sh you know, tell yeah. me, oh, by the way, I, I advanced the, the hospitals. He's like, I'll ask you for that when I'm ready. So at the beginning, certainly, I was over eager. I told you I'm a pleaser, right? Right. So I wanted to please and I want to show that I did the advance and I did all this and I've got all this local knowledge and I spoke this and I did this, and, you know, and then I started to understand that I'm just making an idiot out of myself. Uh, and that's not actually seen as added value. That's seen as immaturity. Right. right? And uh, learn that the lead agent is a lead agent for a reason. Right. Right. So if it's, you know, crunch time and there's something critical that you think was overlooked, then volunteer that information in a respectful way. Yes. And go like, hey, I, I don't mean to overreach, um, you know, but actually the secondary route this morning on the news, they said that they're doing works on that road and, and it's closed. You probably saw that, but I just want to make sure that, that you know, um, that it's addressed blah, blah. briefly. Yeah. yeah. Not like, not like, you know, we're going to be in big trouble, man, because of the secondary routes, we, right? Like you that's found this gem that, that, that the world hinges on and thank God yeah. for you, you know? Right. <laughs> so, so, so I guess, um, it, and even, and also with clients, right? Yeah. Um, somebody said to me a long time, I was walking through the desert in Jordan in the mm. Wadi Rum. If you, I, yeah. yeah. It's an amazing place. And it's a fortune 100 CEO and we're walking and at some point, he calls me. He's like, yeah, Matt, come here. And he puts his arm around me and he starts asking me, hey, so have you got a wife, kids? What's your story? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And because somebody had educated me earlier on, I answered because don't, don't be an idiot. He asked you questions. But I knew enough not to ask him about his wife and kids. Right. right. He's not talking to me because I'm special. He's talking to me because he's bored. Right. right? Or maybe he's interested. Either right. way. I'm going to answer, but no, I'm not going to put my arm around him <laughs> and right. call him, you know, whatever, and, and ask him about his life. Yeah. Uh, so learn to keep your mouth shut, yeah. right? Uh, because often we, we we step on our proverbial whatevers uh, in our need to impress, like you said, and show, oh, I've got all this info and this gem of yeah. knowledge that the whole detail would have crashed and burned if it wasn't <laughs> exactly. for me. And then I killed the dragon this time. And then I, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, back in them, right? Yeah, and yeah. And they're like, oh. right, just keep, learn to keep your mouth shut. For me, that was at the beginning a hard thing to do because I so badly wanted to show like mm -hmm. everything that I could do. Um, so that that I guess would be something that that took me a while to learn back in. It's the day. huge. I I learned the same lesson. It was like a dis. <laughs> Distinct moment. Fortunately, I'm a really kind of sensitive person. So I pick right. up on non-social cues pretty quickly. Generally, I like to think. Um, and uh, I just remember a client asked me something about what we were doing. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's this thing. That, and I went on to this whole tactical spiel <laughs> about what I thought I knew. And I just felt the client's energy was just like, just, just like, okay. And, and then I just was like, and it was a, it was just, a, it was like getting punched in the face. Like it was a moment where I was like, he doesn't care. He doesn't care about your tactical prowess. Okay. Um, <laughs> give him the information he needs, uh, be positive and, 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 and just keep your mouth shut. This is his conversation. 
you know, uh, let him talk about himself, let him feel the cathartic release of, you know, yep. being heard and validated and just shut up. Yep. And it's uh, when there's so much inside of you and you want to prove and you've done so much because we come from these backgrounds yep. where we've, we've done so much and we want them to know our yep. confidence. It's really easy and slippery slope to, to fall into that. Yep. And be genuine we, we while had, you fall into it too. Right, <laughs> and genuinely exactly. be going down the wrong path, you know. We 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 had a client who who got fired. Yeah, he was on a plane with a client. Mm-hmm. The client spoke. And planes about are dangerous the, places uh, uh, with the clients, man. Right, you're, you're right. close. That's CQB and EP right there. That's what that is. Because <laughs> <laughs> you ain't got nowhere to yeah. go, man. And right. you got to make that yep. flight, and you got to keep a low profile, and you know that. Exactly. Yep. And, and don't use the bathroom. Yeah. And he, yeah. She, <laughs> real. That's she real. said. She said something, and he launched into you know his philosophy on this, you know. Right. And the same evening, it was just like, hey, sorry, but he's gone. Yeah. And it's like she didn't. She didn't ask you for your opinion, buddy. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, so that is actually much harder than it sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, that's a I good guess. one. What would you say uh, proudest moments in the field? You touched on a few of them. I don't know if that was one of them, but okay. um, proudest moments. Well, right now, proudest moment was was launching my own company. Um, yeah, and 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 the team, uh, yeah, the the leadership team that I have, the fact that they chose to join me. Yeah, was just, 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 it was just a, a massive compliment and I didn't take it for yeah. granted and I don't take them for granted and I appreciate that trust, uh, so much. Um, and besides that, I think the proudest moments were, were the moments you know, at the FBO at departure that happens occasionally when the client stops for a second, turns around and comes and shakes your hand and says, Hey, thank you so much. That was great. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because you don't you don't expect it. You're not entitled to it. You're right. just doing your job. Right. But the times, and it's almost I can remember of all the assignments I can because yeah. it doesn't happen all that often. Right. Right. But when people at that level take the trouble to walk over to you and shake your hand and look you in the eyes and thank you, right? For me, that that always kind of you know I mean, put a smile on my face and I thought, wow, th- thank you. Right. Um, if somebody said to me once. Ah, oh, you know, all these people—they're just people, man, right? All these clients, all these principals—they—they uh, get sick like everyone else. They go to the bathroom like everyone else. And I said to him, "You know what? You're right. They're people." I said, "But they're people who kind of shape the face of the planet." Yeah. Right. They're people whose decisions influence how we live, right. how we interact with technology. I said, so yes, they're just people, but they're kind of special people, right? Right. right. So, so I said, you know, that does, and when you're in their proximity and you hear them speak and you see how they think, you understand that they see the world a little differently to <laughs> you and I, yeah, right? Absolutely, man. And you got to respect exactly. that. Exactly. You, you don't know? have to like them. Right. You don't have to like them, but you have to respect them because they just have a genius on a level uh, uh, which which was really biblical, yeah. and uh, uh, for me, you know, over the years, seeing that and understanding that these people, you know, yes, they're humans like everyone, but they are kind of special, and mm-hmm. they have kind of access to 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 spaces in in the mind and the brain and right. understanding that 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 average people just don't have, and they shouldn't be taken for granted and should never be disrespected. You right. don't have to like them, but but. You know, so for me, when a person of that caliber 
say, you know, knows my name, right? right? Says, hey, Mac, thanks. That, that was great. You know, I, I don't mind saying, yeah, I feel like a five-year-old getting patted on the head, right? 100%. By the teacher. I go like, that feels really good, right? Absolutely. Um, and why shouldn't you take your moment in the sun and, and feel good about that you did a good job and yeah. you delivered, right? Yeah. Uh, that That's okay. Don't put it on Facebook. Right. <laughs> Don't put it on social media. <laughs> right. But but for you, right? Right. You you can enjoy you can enjoy that moment, right? You mm-hmm. you deserved it. So Ooh, why not? Badges. No, that's good stuff. And anything other than really I, I hear guys say those things too about principals and clients and being like, oh well, you know, they're just this, that, and the next thing. I'm like, that's a protection strategy. You know, that's <laughs> you trying to minimize and like fit them into your little psychology in a place that won't scare you, you know. But <laughs> I always say it's like trying to exist with like a pet lion, you know, it's like right. the second you don't respect right. that person because you think they're so human, they're just so human, uh, that's right. when that thing can turn around and eat and just eliminate you. You know, yeah. Uh, so uh, every day I'm with a principal or client, I look at it as this could be my last day with this person if I don't honor Absolutely. this relationship properly. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and it doesn't take much. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't take, take much for you to be disappeared. Right? Oh yeah, and I can be the most legit ninja Death Star throwing sub second draw having <laughs> you know battle man who doesn't have a job. Like <laughs> exactly, that. and then there's another right. tough guy taking my spot. Right. And if he's a thinker, exactly. then maybe he'll be there longer. <laughs> you know, exactly. You're so right, Byron. And and, and some people learn that too late. Yeah, yeah, and it's tragic. Some people in that because yeah. I've seen guys that you know some of the best like guys that I would go into battle with, link arms with, right. you know, but right. uh, and that are genuinely good people, but just didn't figure out the social dynamics of navigating right. this world. Um, That's right. People can't get out of their own way, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's why I said that the ego thing—it's just check check it at the door, man. It, it will make mm-hmm. you so much better and easier to work with, and so much more kind of appealing, right? To clients, because uh, you're not going to impress them. Well, because the bottom line is, yeah, the client, <laughs> the guy, the guy who hires you isn't yeah. usually the principal, right? Right. It's the PA or the CISO, right? Yeah. And if he's the chief security officer, by the way, he's also been there and done that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. He He's also an ex-military or EP veteran. So why is yeah, he going to be impressed Viking. by your ninja skills? Yeah. He's, also, he's just an older ninja Viking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so really, be, right? yeah, no, it's a character. They're looking at your character while you sit there and talk about yourself if they're smart. 100%. Yes. <laughs> Good stuff, yeah. man. Outstanding. Let's see. Who do you have anyone you would nominate to be on the podcast? You know, everybody, you know, like who's the guy that no one even knows that's just been behind the scenes doing, you know. There was a guy I met with Christian once that was like French Foreign Legion, and I and I could just tell he'd been around the block, man. Um, I haven't, I, I've lost touch with him, but do you have anyone that you, think would have some great things to say some good contributions you can get back to me on it if no one comes to mind but uh, so 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 i i i actually i actually do yeah um although i don't want to yeah i'll come back to you because i'd rather ask him first whether he right. would like to do that yes um but 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 i well i was gonna say either if you hadn't had him yet but you oh yeah um, because, him, really. but, but right, but you've had him. But yes, I I do I do have someone in mind. I will ask him if he is interested. 
and I will I will speak to you offline about that. Outstanding. Good to go. Good to go. And it's, it, it's, it's like two sides of this, you know, one side is there are so many professionals that are amazing that I haven't gotten to yet. So I, I, I thought I'd run out of people to interview, but it has absolutely hasn't happened. And the other side of it is some of the best people, you know, they're the silent professionals, you know, and I respect right. that. And that's awesome. You know, and I'm trying to like bait them out to, <laughs> to get out here, you know, and get on the podcast. Yeah. It's good. Um, Let's see here. Uh, favorite quote, mantra, uh, saying. You've dropped a couple during this thing. I've been taking notes. Uh, yes, uh, my, but my favorite is um, from from my late father, uh, which is, if you don't take a ticket, you can't win a prize. Yeah. Right? Love it. Buy the ticket. Just get it. Just get out there. Do it. You want to do this course. You want to get on this detail. You have an opportunity. Just take the ticket, man. It's like... Sheryl Sandberg said, you know, if somebody offers you a seat on a rocket ship, don't ask if it's aisle or window. Right? Right. <laughs> Just get in there. I love get, it. Get on, right? Yeah. Get on. Don't way. be an idiot. Right? So, so so my dad's philosophy was the same way. It's like, hey, if you have an opportunity, man, just take it. Go for it. Believe in yourself. You know, all the all, all the mantras. So I'm also a realist. I'm like, Yes, if you're tone deaf and you can't sing, no, you're not going to be the next Beyonce, right? Right. Uh, and no matter what mommy and daddy tell you. Yeah. But, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but be the best you, mm -hmm. right? And if you're in this industry, right, um, educate yourself, network, hook up with good people, mm -hmm. right? And believe in yourself because that's the only way you're going to go further. Right, I said, punch above your weight class. Yes. Take on something that's a bit challenging. Make sure you have the support, right, so that you don't, mm -hmm. you know, fail. Right. Uh, but but take the ticket. Go go for it. Do it. Um, don't be scared. Don't be nervous. Nothing is guaranteed. But tomorrow is not guaranteed, right? Mm -hmm. So um, you know, you, you yourself, Byron, when you started out, the podcast and and, and protect the nation and all this stuff, right? Yeah. There's no guarantees. You just went, hey. I'm going to do this, right? That's exactly what happened. I was like, right? And, and pe pe people were like, Byron, who? Right? <laughs> who is yep. this guy? Who is this guy? Right? Who is this guy? Right? And, the, and here we are, right? Uh, so you're kind of living, breathing proof, right? Of 100%. I'm 100%. Take the ticket. Believe, believe in yourself and, and choose a path and just, you know, do it. Just I don't mean to quote you know, Mike, but yeah, just get on with it right yeah there, there's that nice line that says you know a, a year from now you're going to wish you started today that's the truth that's the truth right? that's time to plant a bamboo tree man it's right now <laughs> yep that's yeah. right so uh yeah no i love it man uh what was i i mean with the things that i've done that has turned out to be made all the difference i don't know if it's because i'm a little bit like i'm dumb enough to be like <laughs> you know, like, you know what? I think I can go on ahead. But confidence <laughs> comes from experience. Confidence comes from yes. your relationship with yourself, you know, proving to yourself and, and being willing to being willing to fail because, you know, the obstacles, the path, the failures, how we grow. Like this is right. this is the thing we get out of our own way. And and fortune does favor the bold, man. That's absolutely. Absolutely. And and I'll take you a step further, Byron, that that failure. Right. 
is so relative, right? So right? there was a, a a book I read. I think it was by Gordon Forbes, old Wimbledon champion, and he used to say that when he practiced, if he served and the ball went out, yeah, right, he'd go like, "All right, I hit that well, good speed, good spin, whatever." It was a little bit long. All right, he said, "I wouldn't allow myself to think in negatives." Oh, yeah. that was long. Oh, that was good. Oh, that wasn't good, right? So what? What? What is failure, right? Yeah. yeah. It's it's just an experience. That's all it is. Right. I I don't even like that word, right? Yeah. Uh, somebody said to me, "Ah, oh, I've been thinking about all the mistakes I made this year." I'm like, "What mistakes, man? Whatever decision right. you made obviously made sense at the time, right? Because that's why you chose to do chose that. To you didn't up. think it was a mistake, right? right? It was your experience. You chose this path. You mm -hmm. went down that path. You thought, huh? Actually, maybe I should do something else, yeah. right? But it's not, that's not a failure." Yeah. That's life. That's a journey, right? And, and who are and who are we to judge whether yeah. that was a failure or success? Maybe I needed to go down that road to get to yeah. this point. Mm -hmm. So was that really a failure? Right. No, it was just a stepping stone. Right. Right. So That's... even that word failure, it's like, well, what does that even mean? Mm -hmm. Who gets to decide if right. it's a failure or not? Right. Yeah. Because when when you look back, uh, Dwayne Johnson has, uh, has a saying, uh, the best thing that never happened to me. Right. Right. You sometimes think, oh, I need this job. I need this detail. You don't get it and you're all bummed out. And then a week later, you get something else and you go, oh, wow. If I'd gotten that, I wouldn't have gotten this. <laughs> and yeah. This is much better. Yes. Right. So just accept everything with love and with understanding. Yeah. Right. Don't beat yourself up. Don't get all down. Don't get demotivated. Don't get depressed. Just go, mm -hmm. okay, that happened. Happened for a reason. Mm -hmm. you know say you know and keep uh, yeah keep, keep keep moving you know um cut wood draw water whatever however you're going to yeah. say it but just <laughs> you know uh, just just move right just do move yeah don't judge yourself yeah the path yeah. is where the value is sometimes you win sometimes you learn but you stay on that path man it all serves yeah. it all serves you in the end it's all providence actually in the end yes, it's yes it really is yeah it really is it's our minds that limit the the game, and just we get in our own way. <laughs> Thousand percent. Yeah, and I love that, man. Good stuff. Any habits you'd say people should consider implementing that can make them better people, better protectors? Either yeah, do something else. Have a hobby. Yeah. Right. That's not that's not the gym or the range. Right. Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> back, back in the day, right in Japan, right. right yeah. Every summer, I had had to. Uh, uh, also have uh, skills in one of the arts, if it was kanji, if it's calligraphy yeah. or painting or music, right? But do something else. Have an outlet that isn't connected to protector, to warrior, to, right? Whether it's reading, whether it's meditation, whether it's horse riding or playing sport, well, it's not even sport, but you know, like team sport or um, or music or art or anything or building models, right? But do something else. Expand your mind. Expand your world, right? Oh, that's who I am. It's like, no, that's not who you are, right? It's what you do. Yes, it's in our DNA, right? But this is, you know, and we can't turn it off. Yes, we're at a restaurant. We're at the airport, right? We just can't turn it off, though. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly, right? It's like, you know, my missus at the airport. It's like, you're not with me. You're not with me. I'm like, well, I'm with you. I'm just not looking at you, right? Uh, I'm listening. I'm, I can't focus on you right now. I have to see everybody else. Taking everything in. Um, right, but, but it's not who we are. 
right? It's like learn to leave your armor at the door, yeah. right? Just yeah, put put down the, the 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 shield and the sword, you know, whether it's your family, right, or your kids, but have things other than this, because it can be all-consuming, and I don't think that's healthy. Yeah, I think you need you need. Uh, I mean, I play music. I just took up singing lessons. Right? Nice. I've wow. always I've always wanted to, and I found a teacher, and I'm like, hey, you know what? Let's do it. Yeah, it's for me. And it's an hour in the week where I go for the singing lesson. And everything else stays outside, right? And I'm not thinking about EP, and I'm just in a different world, right? Mm. And it's so therapeutic. It's so stress relieving, yeah. and it's important because we live high stress lives, yeah. especially in our industry, right? It's crazy, and we have the responsibility of being protectors of human life. It's not a small thing, right? That we do every day. It's actually a huge responsibility. So it does take a toll, and it's stressful. Yeah. So, so find an outlet. Find something yeah. else to switch off. It's it's important. Yeah, no, that's really important. That's a key to longevity. And what I think can happen, and I see happen, is if everything is just protection person centric, you can build a false identity out of it. You know, you fail to see the multi dimensional nature of who you are as a person, really. Yes. You know, and then a warrior without a war, you know, one day, what day you might find yourself maybe behind a desk in a management role, or maybe even not even in the industry and you don't know who you are anymore. <laughs> and people who yes. need to relate to you don't know who you are because you've been a protector. Right. And, you know? <laughs> well, that's and, what I said. It's not, it's not who you are. It, it's what you do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like one dimension, you know, at the yeah. most. I remember when, when I, when, when I was boots on the ground, right. And started thinking of getting older, whatever, right. About consulting and, and I said to a friend, there's no way I'm going to sit at some computer and write a hundred page friggin' risk assessment. Like, what are you thinking, man? And then five years later, there was I. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's right. the, that's but, the reality. I don't even say nevers friend, anymore, man. Nevers are dangerous, man. <laughs> exactly. Because you don't, you, you don't know. You know as, you, as you get older or you get injured, right? And, yeah. and you say, hey, you know what? I, I, one of the things about our lifestyle, Byron, is that you know, you're a young man. Right when you get older, all this nonsense catches up to you. Yeah. Right, and your back and your knees and your hips and your ankles and all the abuse that we put our bodies through um, starts to catch up, and you suddenly go, "Gee, being on my feet eighteen hours a day, it's kind not of so like... sexy anymore." Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, mm -hmm. and I want to be able to retire one day. Right. Right. <laughs> like to make some more money, and maybe I need to be able to get into consulting or management or et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but if if you're so narrow in your view, like you said, you're suddenly going to be a 55 year old protector, and now what? Right. And now what you? And now you're 60, and now what you're going to do? Right. And it's kind of guys who are you know, career military, right? And, and, and then they retire at 55, 60, and now they're civilians, and it's a real hard transition. Right. Because yesterday I was somebody. People saluted me. People called me sir. Blah blah blah. They did what I said, right? And now there's some kid telling me, you know, hey, old man, get out the way. Yeah. Right. That's a hard transition. Oh, yeah. Um, right. So um, you, you, you need to be, like you said, you need to know who you are. Yes. Without, without all of this. right? Without the badge, without the uniform, without the status. Without and the guns and the this and that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Just if you were plucked out of your life and dumped, you know, in, in a foreign country all of a sudden. Right. With no job, with no nothing. Right. So who are you on a desert island? Right. Yeah. This, right? Is, this is what life is supposed to be. Yeah. It's part of what life's about. I love it. Yeah. Ah.
ultimately, final question, how would you like to be remembered, Mac? And that's a cool name. I like this name, Mac, man. I wish I <laughs> Mac. Anyways, how would you well, like to be remembered? I, I, well, firstly, I'll just say, I'd like to be remembered. Yeah, right. <laughs> that, you know? that would be a good start. Yeah. Um, I guess I, I I guess without sounding coy, uh, but I'd like to be remembered as 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 a just a good human being, right? As someone who was just behaved uh, as a good person should, who respected other people, who cared for other people, who supported other people, who did right by his friends, by his family, um, you know. And uh, you know, I, I don't have any need to be respected or remembered. Oh, this guy. Oh, super ninja industry leader blah blah right because you know god forbid you're 120 years old but your deathbed right no no clients are going to be standing around your bed right um it's going to be a loved one's going to be your family your kids etc right so so um there's in, in hebrew there's uh the word for a human um literally is a, a ben adam a son of, a son of adam right but the word in Hebrew encompasses, when someone says to you, like, be a person, it encompasses kind of all that. It means be good, be real, be genuine, be caring, be respectful, mm. have integrity, be honest, right? Just be a good, decent human being, which is a lot harder than it sounds. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. It takes muscles, to be internal taken. muscles to develop to be yeah, able yeah. to do that. Right. An ongoing effort, right? Right. It's ongoing effort, and not to become cynical and jaded, and you know, well, screw that, and screw him, and screw them, and they didn't this, and and then you become a victim, and then you get bitter, and then you get angry, and then you rationalize your bad behavior because of this and that. It's like, yeah, you know what, dudes, cut the crap, man. Take responsibility for who you are, for what you do, for your decisions, good or bad. Only you. There's always a choice, and every choice is a price. If you're willing to pay the price, you can make the choice. It's that simple. It's my philosophy of life. Wow. Right? And my my, my choice is, is to be a good human being, or to try, at least. I mean, people might disagree with that, but that's what I, I, I want to be remembered. That, hey, yeah. he, he was just a good, he was one of the good ones, right? Right. Uh, if I can get that right, I figure I, I did something right along the way. Outstanding. Good stuff, man. That's uh it's been an honor to spend this time with you, man. We 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 ran all over the place. This is one of those <laughs> interviews that just like time right. disappeared. You know, it's like oh, it's been yeah. like two hours. <laughs> you yeah, know, like but that, oh, that's crazy. You know, oh. it's uh, it's been an honor. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. For, thank you so much for having me. Um, it's uh, I look forward to hopefully in Vegas that uh, we we can have a few drinks and Absolutely. and uh, get, catch up in person. Um, but I enjoy everything you do and your contributions to the industry are great and your drive and your ambition is great and it's awesome to see. And uh, sure, you have a massive future ahead of you as well and uh, sincerely hope we will have opportunities to work together yes, and um, do do more cool stuff. So uh, thank you for having me, really and truly. Absolutely. No, it's been an honor, absolutely, for sure. And then finally, what are you up to these days? Where can people find you, Mac? Um, so people can find me. Um, the company is uh, Anna A H N A uh, Anna Group. Um, by the by, people ask me where the name is from. It's the initials of my four daughters. Oh, awesome! A H N A, and it actually also uh, in Arabic it means us. 
or mm. togetherness, um, right. which is kind of cool because my SVP is like a brother to me. Uh, he's an Israeli Arab here from Jerusalem. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we And uh, so it's kind of symbolic as well that it's yeah. kind of us. Um, so Ana Group uh, is the company, anagroup.com. Uh, the website is, well, there's an under construction page, but you can have a look. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, easiest way to reach me, just on LinkedIn, Max Siegel. Um, you can reach out to me, P- PM me over there. And uh, uh, and work aside, I'll say this, and I've said this on other podcasts, to anyone out there, uh, again, not because I think I'm clever or whatever, but anybody, the younger guys uh, in, in the industry, um, if you want to reach out, if you want to chat, uh, if I can help you or support you in any way, please do not hesitate. Just shoot me a message, uh, either on Messenger on Facebook or, or on LinkedIn, and um, you know, always happy to support anybody in any way we can. Outstanding. Yeah, we will have the link to your website in the show notes uh, so you. everyone can find you that way. And any other links you want to send yeah. over, that's perfect. Yeah, that's perfect. Thank you, Byron. Thank you, sir. Boom. Right. Yo, if you're a private security professional wanting to take your game to the next level, go to executiveprotectiontrainingday.com to check out my personal success package for private security professionals. Check it out, executiveprotectiontrainingday.com. And remember, y'all, hard skills do save lives, but soft skills get you paid. Boom. Boom. And to support this podcast, go to executiveprotectionlifestyle.com and contribute to our Patreon account. That Patreon account is what helps me make this podcast possible, contributing to this brand, what we're doing here, making it so that I can bring better guests on, making it so that we can plan more events and just expand the contribution to the private security industry and also to make an America a safer place. Do whatever you can, contribute whatever you can, because it makes all of these things possible. Thanks for those contributions. Yo, and before we go, you know I got a shout out to the sponsors, starting out with Primary Weapon Systems, PWS. They truly are the evolution of the rifle. Use Byron for 10% off. Grayman and Company, the most comfortable tactical suits in the game. Use Byron for 10% off with them. Until the next podcast, this is Byron Rogers, protected by nature and by trade. Out.